0: It's the Low Score Podcast. And now, here's Bobby and Jay. Here we are. Happy May.
1: Hey, happy May to you. Today is the 5th of day, a day that is entirely unremarkable.
0: Yep, it's May 5, it's a Monday.
1: Yep. Uh, and there's been no better time to podcast than a Monday that is a May 5th.
0: Yeah, it's a fine day for
1: podcasting, I would say. It's um, gorgeous. Had out. Some,
0: yeah, exactly. Just rained, so it's kind of cleared up some of the pollen. We had big thunderstorms on Friday.
1: Big thunderstorms Friday. Big big
0: thunderstorms Friday, which led to a really beautiful Saturday, and the pollen was back in full force on Sunday and this morning.
1: Yeah, I was a little sneezy this morning. Yesterday was nice. I had people over to watch Talladega NASCAR race, which is a fun thing to trick people into doing. I mean, they all knew that that's what they were getting into, but the goal was to have people come and watch a race with me, and maybe decide that at some point in the future they would like to watch another race. At least one of my friends is probably on board. How
0: many people did you have over? I had four. Okay, twenty-five so okay. percent return rate. Yeah, it's not too bad.
1: Yeah, and I bet I could get someone else over with promise of Miller Lights and food. No one. I don't think anyone hated it, uh, but it was also kind of an uneventful race until right at the end. So maybe I'm not, not
0: sure. I've I've watched a little bit of NASA, like really a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know what there is to hate about it. It just strikes me as impossibly boring.
1: I th- yeah, I think that's the thing. It's either you're totally turned off by the commercialism and the s- weird southernness of a lot of it, or you just you're bored by it. Um,
0: isn't Isn't there that Doge car now too?
1: Yes. So that that premiered yesterday, and it I was. I blame you. Of, I had nothing to do that. I don't uh-huh. even. not okay. even look at those websites. But it was actually entertaining for two of my friends who were like way into it being there. Or, I should say, way in, way amused by it being there. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That was the the number 98 car. So, this guy, Josh Wise, didn't have a main car sponsor and Reddit crowdfunded a Dogecoin sponsorship for the car. And we'll race in at least a, a couple of races. And it was funny because at first, the first, you know, 45 minutes of the race, they didn't really mention it. And at one point like it just happened to get out. I don't know if it was on purpose. Like it was all on its own on the track. And so they just focused on it. And the guy's like, Yeah, I went to the Google machine. And like mm-hmm. when he says I went to the Google machine, it's not in the way that like hip people say that as a way of putting down no, the No, that's Internet.
0: Un- an unironic yeah. way of say yeah.
1: It's like looked it up on the Google machine. Oh um, no. I don't know. It was funny. It was a big dog face on the track. Mm-hmm. It's kinda of hard to argue with it. It's entertaining. I like it. You know that, Jay. I, for once, I don't have any uh, any food questions for you.
0: You've uh, all your food needs have been answered. I
1: mean, the current food needs have been answered.
0: I'm sure. Have you have you made any hamburgers since we talked last?
1: Okay, so I was gonna make hamburgers last or this past Saturday. Uh, a friend of mine going out of town, moving to New York, and it was his going away thing. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect chance. We're we're gonna grill out. I'll buy some meat. I'm gonna do it the Jay way. And yep. I, I get there, and another guy has already bought like the pre-shaped patties from Kroger. Oh, No, no, nope, bad news. And and it ended up working out fine because they tasted all right. And those are go-
0: those are gonna be fine. Absolutely, they're gonna be
1: fine. And uh, and it was easy enough to cook them. But so that I ended up just taking home all of the meat that I had bought, which is all right as well. You know, I will get a chance to do it again. But I was I was gonna test my might, Mortal Kombat style, and uh, chop some meat in half with a karate chop but instead i just ended up cooking up some easy to do patties turned out well i did buy the shredded cheese so Mm
0: -hmm. shredded cheese is good
1: yeah i tell you what uh i was saying i went out to the liquor store for the first time in months yeah kind of a all right everything is done i'm i'm finished let's go out in the world and and spend a little money and i was talking to the guy i couldn't find the bottle of rum that i really like there's like one brand of rum that's the type of thing that I could just sit and drink from the bottle. Kind of gross, but they didn't have that. And so there's a guy there who I... It's a big liquor store, like, like the biggest warehouse-style liquor store that you could you could imagine in our area. And it's a lot of wine, a lot of booze. Um, it's a good selection of a lot of things. It's not going to be too hoity-toity, but there's one guy there who I can pretty much assuredly go to. He, he looks like a Patton Oswalt. With a goatee, like a dark goatee.
0: Okay. Uh huh. And he, so like a kind of a stout hipster kind of guy.
1: Not not really hip. Just like I mean, they wear like blue polo shirts and jeans. So like, okay. just imagine like a warehouse guy that kind of looks like Patton Oswald. Got it. Um. So he in the past has recommended a handful of brands to me, and so I was I asked him I was like, Do you have this bottle of the Plantation Reserve? in a Barbados five year. And he said, no. And you know, I'm, this is not like a fancy run. This is a, yeah. a relatively affordable run. And I was like, well, you know, I'm looking for something. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, generally for sipping. I don't think he said, if I buy the right thing, I'll never mix it. And he goes, all right, I got it for you. And he pulls out a bottle and it comes in like a blue cardboard case or cardboard box, but you can see the bottle inside of it. It's like this, this is your go-to. I was like, okay, how much? It's like, $40. So, whoa. 40 really?
0: That's a lot for a go-to.
1: It's a lot for a go-to. I took his advice. Ev- so I bought that instead of t- buying two different other bottles of things, like two yep. cheaper bottles. So I spent the same amount that I was going to spend. Uh, and I just cracked it open this evening and had my first sip of it. Oh, my God. It's really, really good. Nice. Like, I think I like rum more than I like most whiskeys hmm. most bourbons and this is one of the better tasting like it's a lot it reminds me of like the aged oaky like vanilla flavor of a good bourbon or the type of bourbon yeah. that i like um, but without
0: the like bite yeah without heat, without the huh? bite to it. it's just like you the, it's more you sweet the sweetness of the rum of course
1: yep uh so it's it's fantastic i don't remember what it's called but the guy did not steer me wrong again so kudos to him
0: I, uh, I was thinking about you yesterday. I was listening to the Alton Brown cast. Now, I know you are not the world's biggest fan. But no, I'm, he, a
1: hu- I'm a huge fan. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I mistook fan for not a fan. Right. He uh,
0: he interviews a lot of different people, but every once in a while he'll interview liquor people because he likes that stuff. And this guy seemed right up your alley. His name was Souther Teague, and he owns a bunch <laughs> of bars in New York. Okay, And he has these like small little bars that like are stocked the opposite way of all other bars. So he's like, I have two kinds of gin and there it's beef eater and Tangare. He's like, I've got like two rums. I've got one vodka. I've got a rye whiskey and a wheat whiskey, but I have 18 kinds of sweet vermouth. I have 40 different kinds oh, of bitters. Yes. Um, he goes, I don't have any produce. I don't do any shaken drinks. He, his, like, tagline is everything at his bar is um, bitter, brown, and stirred. Huh. So he goes, I do have some citrus fruit, but I will only use the peels. I don't use the juices at all. He's like, that's just what I like. That's what I like to serve. They did, like, a bunch of weird bitters tasting. Mm-hmm. He talked a lot about sweet vermouth. He's like, here's some good starter brands. Um, you should be able to drink the vermouth straight if you're going to put it in anything. Yeah. Like, People, unlike the bitters, which are like like herbs or something, which you wouldn't necessarily drink straight. Right. Some of these other mixers you might. like Buy by, like,
1: by good quality in, ingredients, like supporting ingredients to make them the stars of the show and then just use you know a, a good gin as the base. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't matter what the – as long as the gin is like – generally neutral enough you know it doesn't have like really robust flavors then it can play well with all kinds of vermouths i imagine that
0: was that was kind of his attitude he's like i have these two gins they are fine gins they're very different so i can kind of build Mm -hmm. from there but to me that's not necessarily the interesting part of the drink right so I'm not certainly not using, like, bottle shelf stuff, but I'm also not this guy who's using, like, crazy top shelf, small batch type right. of things.
1: No, that's actually really good. I like that idea a lot because now when I go to a, a restaurant and I'm picking out cocktails, the thing I look for the most are the strange one-off ingredients that I'm not going to buy for myself. Right. And so I, like, I don't even look at what the base is. It could be any number of liquors. And I'm like, what is – I don't know what that is. All right, and, and this is – yeah, you know it's was like some, uh, the one I got last week at a restaurant was like a dry curazao, which apparently is a thing now. So I have to go out and, and find some of this. And then it was a rum drink and it had cherry hearing and something like that. It's pretty good. And the yeah. o- the other cocktail I had the other night was uh, a root beer liqueur with hmm. absinthe, like a lemon, like a little lemon juice for acidity and something else in there with like club soda. I mean, like that glass is a little expensive, but if I could do that at home, I could drink that every night during the summer. Mm. It was it was fantastic. So, but yeah, I I get Imbibe magazine now, so I'm trying to get. There Pre- you go. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> is, that, is that the new airplane readings? No, no. The, imbibe, because... See, an Esquire is great, because you can throw an Esquire away when you're done with it, but imbibe it. I need to hang on to for recipes.
0: There, it's They're like... Okay, so it's kind of like a Cook's Illustrated. It's like, got yes. the heavy paper. You want to nope. keep it around. Yeah,
1: yeah. He- heavy paper. Um, it's not cheap. Sick, you know, yeah, not cheap. There's six issues a year. Uh-huh. But, That's
0: like, like Cook's Illustrated. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, but it's... Uh, yeah, so far so good. I've had four issues thus far. Nice. I, the the first order of business in the upcoming weeks is to go through that, and I'm gonna I'm just, at least start with a recipe for homemade ginger beer. Oh, yum! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I everything you can get at the grocery store except for champagne yeast, so I have to hit up Amazon.com for that. Uh, but it looked good. It was like you use within one week. I said if I made a two liter of ginger beer, I could probably use it within one week. <laughs> God. I've got a bit of big old bottle of Anejo rum for dark and stormies and highballs. So I shouldn't be...
0: even need it like ginger beer and just put some Angostura bitters in there. Oh, You're yeah. Done.
1: No, no. It's, I mean, it's delicious, but
0: it is better with rum in it.
1: There's there are other other things I need to do, but it is the rum season. I'm so excited. Tell you what that news you, you shared with me is awful.
0: Oh, but the lime shortage. The, yeah,
1: the tragedy the travesty of the lime shortage.
0: Lime shortage is real, man. It's coming.
1: It is well uh, limes at Publix have always been unreasonably expensive. It'd be so like it was like 3 for a $1.50 for a while.
0: That's insane. So, I uh I feel that same way about Martins around here. Martins produce is unreasonably expensive,
1: but like food Lion limes are
0: always like 4 or 5 for a buck.
1: But like Publix is our are base like you can go to Publix or you can go to Kroger. Like Publix is a little nicer than Kroger. Uh-huh.
0: But, but it's still, a regular it, ass grocery. Yeah,
1: store. it's like it's like giant and Safeway, or something Got it. like that. Like that's your comparison. It's not like yep. you're going to Harris Teeter or Martins or, you know, somewhere a little more upscale. Trader Joe's yeah. has yeah. decent lime prices usually. They have gone up, up a bit, but not there, not significantly.
0: Trader, like I said, when I, uh, Trader Joe's was selling them for ninety nine cents. Now
1: I did go back in there now two for a dollar. But that seal seems high for Trader Joe's. It's so if you buy them individually, I think they were, used to be thirty nine cents a piece. Okay. So, I mean, there may have just been, like, a one-week price spike because of all the stories and then people going out and trying to buy limes before they all run out. That makes sense. Um, but, but usually the best bet to, is to buy the bag of limes. They're a little smaller, I but... I should look and see
0: if we have that. So, we have... Uh, there's bags of lemons there, and they are a little smaller, and I buy those all the time because I put lemon on just about anything. hmm Like food, but...
1: <laughs> food dogs well, uh, reading uh, material dogs.
0: well I, I meant as opposed to like cocktails or drinks or something yes
1: of course like
0: grilling up some asparagus put some lemon on there grilling mm-hmm. up some chicken lemon on there Ooh. sounds th- good th- th- good pro tip acid on food makes <laughs> things taste way more powerful just a little bit it's like salt it is just like salt
1: but this isn't a salt podcast. Is this where I can do this now? Uh could be a salt
0: podcast if we want to talk about salt.
1: So actually, before we, we move on, last year we went, uh, on our, for our anniversary, we went to Savannah. We did a food tasting tour, mm-hmm. and we went to some place that sells, like, spices and different flavored salts that you can try. And got addicted. I don't know if this is just, like, mentally it seems different or if there's an actual difference in the taste. I would claim that there is, but I'm sure someone could... Blind taste test me and prove it otherwise. To the pink pink Himalayan sea salt. Okay, it uh, it is like saltier salt than regular salt. Yeah, I I know what you're talking
0: about. All the fancy salts. I'm I'm highly skeptical about that.
1: I I bought a bag. So we because like
0: because that's like salt is a chemical compound,
1: right? I mean, I guess it all depends on if there's other chemicals somehow in there yeah. if it's not just table salt and, or whatever i i'm not sure but i mean the size of the crystals is different and that like ha- affects sure. like how much
0: water it's going to yeah, drain out of you, things you could
1: all. buy sea salt um i guess it also depends on what, like where the salt comes from too like maybe yeah. it, maybe it absorbs certain flavors or i don't know i don't know i'm not a chemist this is not a chemistry podcast.
0: It is, uh, that it is not. It is definitely not a chemistry <laughs> It never podcast. will
1: be. Nope. No, it is the Low Score Podcast, episode 111.
0: Pick episode 111. Bobby and Jay, Bobby, you're over there.
1: I am Jay. As usual, you are over there. Well placed. Uh, well placed in your home with your failing internet.
0: Oh, man. Let's look. We should move along because who knows if this is going to Yeah. Stay If there's a 15 minutes in So far so good
1: Yeah if there's a sudden break We're doing this without video this week Because any bit of bandwidth Jay needs
0: Am I Am I roboting Am I sounding okay No You sound
1: fine for now so Alright We'll, be, well we're see what happens We're good So I finished my dissertation Yay I defended my dissertation Yay I walked to graduation And I finished Assassin's Creed For Black Flag Whew. Boy, I was the biggest
0: accomplishment of the last couple right. of weeks.
1: I was one mission away from the ending. I realized I, I had the last mission to do and that was it. And I had been sitting on it forever because um, it didn't really seem like it had built to that moment because I've been playing it in chunks and then no, doing so much side stuff. It's almost as if the end of that game sucks. <laughs> it almost 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 the end of that game sucked. Okay, I think
0: like that's a good game. It does not diminish my opinion that that's a good video game. Yeah, but the
1: end sucks. So the ending to it, well, number one for me. The ending to it was particularly bad because I don't know a lot of the Assassin's Creed fiction, like the Abstergo-Templar-Assassin battle through time. You're, and
0: You're assuming that any of that would help you enjoy or understand
1: the sh- end of that game. Sure, but at least the words that they said related to those things. I guess. And so I, I just heard blah, 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 blah.
0: The only thing I think you would be able to connect is y- you being like, oh, you're the like granddad of connor from assassin's creed
1: 3 right but there was something like you as the person who works at abstergo working on the game and like going around and hacking computers or whatever for the voice in your ear i never understood what that was about i didn't understand why okay well that's good
0: that that all seemed pretty new it it seemed like so at the end of assassin's creed 3 like the whole desmond thing is done yeah i read that okay so this this starts out of nowhere oh okay you probably didn't get that so the guy like running the coffee cart downstairs and the courier Mm -hmm. they're your like side buddies from the whole assassin's creed series no idea yep no idea so when you go down and like deliver stuff to them you get a cool like oh okay ah kind of moment you get the feeling like your character doesn't know who they are
1: but you as a player
0: yeah, that's the one thing. If you play the other games, you're like, "Oh shit, okay, all right." So this is how that's going to work out. But then that doesn't pay like out at all. Like they like no. come and capture you, I think, at the end or something. Yeah,
1: they like trank you, and I, I don't know. And they... but then you're back in the game, playing the game somehow. So the the pirate ending to it is actually really nice. Yes, it is. I agree. Um, and and that was satisfying. I was like, as I said, the entire way for me as someone who doesn't care about Assassin's Creed lore if that was just, if you took out all those scenes and just made a pirate game, extraordinarily satisfying. Like that is how pirate fiction ends. Like in that kind of, I don't know. I I don't want to call it like a poetic way, but it's just like, it's just enough of a transformation in the character that you feel like this, the pirate has undergone some change, but they're, they are still a pirate at heart. Uh, and, and the like final sequence with the Connors great grandfather. I didn't understand. I didn't know who those characters were anyway. So I had to look that up. Um, but being on the boat with your daughter, it's like, that's nice. This is yeah. a good ending.
0: Yeah. all right. Uh,
1: I would have been happy with just that. But overall, really enjoyed the game. I'm thinking about going through and 100%ing it. You should. With all the collectibles. And, and then I'll have to look. Was there an online component? Multiplayer? Would- or just the community challenge stuff?
0: Oh, no. There's a multiplayer component to it, I think. Yeah. Th- that's that been in Assassin's Creed for a little while. Right. I didn't engage with
1: it. So I would probably have to do that if I wanted to get all the uh, achievements, Maybe. right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm not into that, but I would 100 percent the game. I think. Uh huh. Like, I like. to do just, that. I really liked it. I haven't 100 of the game in a very long time. So
0: I think, especially at this point, that's the kind of game that you can pick up over the like even the next rest of the year. You right. get a lazy Sunday, pop on some podcasts, swim around for a couple hours. Right. Getting all the weird nickel and dime, you know, pages and floaty, shiny things or whatever collectibles <laughs> they have there. I forget what, the, I forget what those things are.
1: An- like, uh, Animus fragments. That's Fregnance. right.
0: Whatever. Whatever. Oh, yeah.
1: Totally. Whatever. But then I could take it off the list. And it makes that shing noise. Gets. That is a
0: good noise. Yeah. And the, like, sea shanties. Kind of flickers. I still really like the look and feel of the menus and stuff in that franchise
1: absolutely they they know a little bit about graphic design
0: yep and i just i still like how jarring it is just those little reminders that this is a simulation simulation
1: (laughs) yeah like you're running around in a virtual world yep so thumbs up black flag big fan uh why don't you well we'll talk about two shooty things okay Let's talk about shooty things. Uh, um,
0: uh, all right. I played Call of
1: Duty Ghosts. Spooky.
0: Spook- Call of Duty Spooky Edition. Spooky Ghosts. On PS4?
1: What brought this on?
0: So I... Uh, I This is a weird thing. I don't know if I can justify it. Um, I have finished every single Call of Duty campaign since 4. Okay? Okay. And I have never paid for a call of duty game Wait, i've either ever nope i've either well n- no i've either borrowed them from a friend um i got i got modern warfare 2 for christmas i think okay So i own that one the uh all the other ones i've either game flown on <laughs> dollar sales i don't think that's
1: actually no you're right it's game flown
0: yeah i i did it. I game flew them in the past game flied them mm-hmm. uh or red box them and finished them over the course of a day or two only paying like one or two dollars that's perfect i'm impressed so to me it's like i i do enjoy the campaigns for mm-hmm. reasons that I'll, I'll talk about in a bit but i also really feel like sticking it to the man because they're perfect rentals I don't care about the multiplayer. Right. I played two rounds of multi this multiplayer and was like, yep, back in the envelope and send it back. Multiplayer. Uh, those games don't go down in price.
1: No, so, not really. The lowest they'll go is like 40
0: 40 You might see it on a $40 sale. And yeah. By the time it gets really cheap, the next one's out and stuff. So I love the idea of like paying $2 for it and getting like ringing every second of enjoyment out of it and then sending it back. There's something kind of poetic about it. <laughs> like I'll pay full price for bravely default, but the big call of duty game. Yeah. Getting on a GameFly sale for. Don't worry.
1: Other people are making up for it for you. Yeah. I don't. Right. So you red box this one or did you game fl- fl- fly? So
0: I, they, they, um, mailed me another one of those, like, Hey, resubscribe for only a dollar for your first month. Come back. So I, okay, so what I so I signed up for a dollar for two discs, and then I immediately went four weeks ahead in my calendar and set up an event called unsubscribe from GameFly. Smart. So I would not forget. And I only got three. I got Infamous, which I didn't like at all. I got Thief, which was really bad. Mm. And then Call of Duty Ghosts, which um, I beat. I finished it. What'd you think? Well, um, it, uh, I. Had more fun than not playing it.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, Put that uh, on the box. There was a
0: new... Well, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts. <sighs> and I, I don't want to be as reductive to say, like, it's another Call of Duty campaign. Sure. Though it is. Um. So one thing I thought was interesting in this game was the story. Most of the Call of Duty stories I find so convoluted and nonsensical, I don't even bolo- bother trying to follow them at all. Like, I don't know what the plot of any of the Modern Warfare games are. Can't tell you. That's, yeah, okay. Um, this, I had no problems following the story at all. It was very straightforward. It was clear. We're in kind of this near future where, like, global war has happened and all this nonsense. Um, so, on the one hand, there's a big positive, and that I thought it was very well articulated. I was clear who all the main characters were, who the bad guy was, what my relationship to all my friends were. Um, but the story was terrible and the writing was even worse. Huh. You are like uh like there's you and your brother who like get caught up in this war and then you're captured by the secret ghost brigade who your dad is actually the secret head of and then secret like, dad? Uh no, it's your dad is not a secret, uh-huh. but the fact that he was one of the ghosts who you thought were a myth were I I wasn't ever really sure who the ghosts were they seem like we're really good soldiers and we kind of do our own things like some weird like paramilitary group who splintered off from everybody else and just kind of like does what they think is the best thing to do okay um I thought the mission design was more or less pretty good like the missions so this is the one where you get to be a dog Yes, that was short and kind of dumb.
1: My dogs.
0: Uh, the idea was you like you there was some like collar around the dog so the dog was like slow to respond to your movements, but that was by design, right? Because you're like you're not the dog, you're just like remote controlling the dog, I guess. So oh,
1: remote dogs.
0: You would push right, and it would be like you know if if you had him on a leash and like tugged him, you know he then he would kind of like turn and like do this and then like bite people in the neck and then like eat their flesh. <laughs> Because he's like a weird trained attack dog. Okay. But then there's other scenes where he like gets shot and you have to like carry in places. And I don't know. I did not think that was particularly engaging. Uh, a lot of vehicle sequences. A lot of like tight running around sequences. Uh, you saw one of the more challenging moments in the game.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, you know, it has been basically since you bought the PlayStation 4 since you've been on Twitch. Which I imagine yeah. that's probably a similar experience to a lot of people.
0: That is why I signed up. Absolutely.
1: And then, you know, so when did you, when did you get your PS4? For Christmas? Was it? November. November.
0: November. I mean, I got it on oh, launch,
1: launch That's right. Of course. So I got an email notification. is like, you know, Jason Ford is online playing, you know, something, something on Twitch. I don't think it said Call of Duty. I think it was previously updated for like Infamous.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's like,
1: why is Jay on Twitch all of a sudden? I'll just, I'm sitting here on my computer. I'll tune in. And I know exactly Why? <laughs>
0: So I I don't I haven't really done a lot of streaming. I streamed a bit of like Killzone when I first got it, just out of a curiosity. But I don't know, didn't didn't really have a good occasion to. But I anyway, so in this case, I was in a sequence where I was in a tank and I had to shoot down stuff, and this airplane, like this fighter jet, flew in and fired a homing missile right as the game checkpointed. So the game like. Two seconds after the checkpoint, I'm getting hit with a missile, blown up, game over. Respawn, two seconds in, hit with a missile, dead. So I was like, wh- what's happening? <laughs> and I like go to the menu, and I'm like, "There's n- it doesn't save any other checkpoints besides the one. So I could totally restart the level and lose like 20, 30 minutes of progress. Or see if there was a way to do this. And I, I did it. I must have done it 30 or 40 times before. I was like, this this should be saved. And so I pushed the share button and said, let's beam it out and see who comes. It, and then sure enough, you show up like minutes later.
1: <laughs> it was it was really hard to watch because we've all been there where there's been a bad checkpoint. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to me like what you were doing is the second it would load, you would just try pushing a moderately different position on the stick to right. see if that was like just enough to get you out of the range of this homing missile. So like, okay, a little to the left, to the top. Nope. Okay, that didn't work. A little, a little more to the right. Nope, that didn't work. Let's try to go well, backwards. No, that didn't work.
0: So I don't know if you saw. Almost every time, I just immediately died. Um, there were a couple times though where the missile did not hit me, but it didn't lose my tracking either because I could still hear it like beep 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 beep. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have like missed. And then, like, circled around and hit me. In fact, there was one time – so, you saw, like, I would go into that, um, like, gun camera and where there was, like, a camera on the missile itself and, like, switch to that, fire the missile, and then, like, navigate the missile into the one – I only had one, like, base I needed to blow up. I only took one missile. So, I had done that, fired the missile, it hit it, and then I would zoom back and would be dead. Mm -hmm. And it was so bad because the game would start playing the next cutscene. But then would also like reload back to the next checkpoint. Huh. but, but finally, I, f- I felt like I felt like I could persevere, and I did. It was the best feeling.
1: And it was, it was. I mean, it was a very skillful move for you to finally pull yourself out of that.
0: Yeah, like I, I like I experimented a whole bunch of times. I'm like, all right, I think if I just immediately jam it like backwards and spin, it starts to get like confused. Yeah. Uh, oh boy!
1: Oh boy! What? Well, but do, do you remember to save that clip? Like you have to go in your Twitch profile and like archive it forever. No, I it didn't doesn't. It it automatically, or unless you like bookmark it or effectively like edit it, it um doesn't save clips for more than a month. I think you you should be good still, but I would do it asap if you want to keep that.
0: Uh, yeah, because yeah. I want to keep that forever because it's ridiculous. It was um. But the other thing I wanted to say was uh, the the reason I really like playing these games are I feel like whoever built that engine has made the kind of game I want to control. Yeah. Even if, you know, the mission design is kind of fine. It's nice and short. Nothing overstays its welcome. So it's it's compelling enough kind of blah, blah, blah. But the, it's a good argument for why, like, 60 frames per second matters in any game, especially a first-person shooter. hmm there's a tightness to, um, to like the aiming and the shooting, how fast you feel like when you're moving, and how like when I there's no drift, like when I stop moving that right control stick, I'm done turning. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like very precise, and I feel more in control of my character in that game than I do in any other game. I yeah. And,
1: it it has great game feel as they call
0: yeah. it. And so it got me kind of thinking, as I, I was saying before the podcast, like there's a lot I think. A whole lot of games can learn from call of duty. Um, even if the gameplay formula mm-hmm. isn't all that interesting uh, anymore. like mechanically, like that's the kind of way I want just about any first person shooter or any first person game really to control. yeah it's, um, it's all about or a feel at least.
1: It's all about a certain speed, an expectation of being pointed in a specific direction. And Call of Duty rarely do you have to be concerned about what is coming up behind you. Like to your sides, yes, but you are usually pointed in like the, the right direction where, you know, in your peripheral vision or, you know, say like 180 degrees in front of you and ignoring behind you. Like that is what you need to focus on. And I think that is one thing that other games don't do as well where like they need to be able to, you need to be able to move your cursor or your body faster. Because there's a lot of shit like in front of you, but there's some stuff behind you and you're not quite sure what it is. Uh, and, you know, you may get like trapped on the geometry as you're moving backward at something. But with Call of Duties, you're pretty much always firing and moving forward, firing and moving forward. Like you, you stop in certain places. Right. right. But you once you've like passed, us, you know, the few feet behind you, you don't need to be concerned with that ever again. And I think that's part of what the tightness is. I yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's like going back and playing Borderlands. That game is so loose and it's just running around in circles and there's no strategy to it. And it
0: feels slow and heavy.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons I like it is because you just aim at stuff and and point and hold the trigger and then just unload. Um, But it does not feel tactical. No. But yeah, the the Call of Duty games, you know, I've played uh, Modern Warfare for Two, Black Ops, I think that's it for the ones that I've played.
0: Those are the big ones.
1: Yeah, I mean... and I've certainly like I've enjoyed all of them. I think that they all they all play really well. I have really fond memories of playing Call of Duty Four. I think that's you know an awesome game. No matter what type of games you're into, like if you're not into shooters, I still think it's an important game. Uh, well,
0: there there's a reason that the formula that that game. Created is aped so heavily. Yeah, even like six years after it came
1: out, and not just multiplayer. Like not just no, not just multiplayer. Not at all. Yeah, just the way as you say, it controls. Um. Yeah i I think there's room in this world for games that take that type of movement, first person movement, and do something different with it. That's not just shooting. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of room for that. Oh. One of the questions I have about it is. If that game were just shapes would it have the same effect like you' were shooting at stuff but everything was just shapes like outlines of shapes I wonder I if you would feel the same sense of tight controls or if there is something about the you know feeling of the world around you blowing up cinematically and you know the the destructive environment contributing to you know, the chaos of the scenery that's a good
0: point I, I don't know if it's like the the guns and real military shooters. In particular but there is i mean it's so tightly scripted it's frenetic and it feels like it could go off the rails at any point even though it's like right. very much not going to because you're always in small corridors or or very controlled places but yeah you do you do always feel like the game is moving very fast and it's not necessarily a reflection on the 60 frames per second type of thing it's just like literally like, buildings are falling down everything's going crazy right. this ship we're on is going underwater while we're trying to escape it oh god
1: i mean that's why you know it it takes a certain amount of processing power and so you don't see games like this until you get to you know modern modern pcs and and 360 era things i mean call of duty 3 was on the 360. And that game is
0: call of duty two was on the 360. I think you're right. I think that was a a launch game,
1: some port of it. Yeah. Like red, something big red one. Yep. So it's like a certain understanding of how the technology can work and how you can make, how you can make the world animate (laughs) while you're doing all this other shit around you. And, and you know, you know when to trigger things and you need to be able to run it at a certain speed. And it needs to, you know, have a certain level of verisimilitude to be identifiable. Um, you know, the best descriptions or one of my favorite descriptions or analogies to this kind of game is they're like they're like Disney dark rides or you know right f- other types of dark rides where you know you're on you're effectively kinda on a rail. In these games you get you know some choice about it, so it you know makes it more exciting. But they have a way of scripting the world around you so that you get to see all the cool shit happening and they, they have an idea of where you will be looking so they can make that stuff happen in front of you. Um and I think I I you'd asked a question: Is that type of big? Is that type of action scripting that is very elaborate uh, something that is unique to big budget games, or will that type of stuff find its way into lower budget indie small studio titles?
0: Yeah, I I think it's it's about technology. It's about experience.
1: Um, It's about having forty artists who can render. You know, buildings as they crumble.
0: Well, and it's also about, like, if you have a small team of developers, you can have a lot of talent and creativity, but you're just not going to have the time to sit there and build game engines or, like, mechanics like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to need to, uh, you know, be able to leverage existing technology or... Methods that you've learned and had time to like fuck up working on a big team, they're gonna be able to like make these tight experiences. Not right. the only way to make indie games, uh, obviously, but
1: um, indie indie game teams are generally not working with heavily modified Unreal licenses or no, Unreal. No, of course, not, era, of course right? not. Exactly. Um, and so there's there's a whole lot that can happen in a a big studio. As we see an era where it seems like big studios are becoming. I don't want to say smaller, but more like more consolidated, like fewer, more well, consolidated big studios.
0: Well, there's yeah, that's true. There's also two kind of things happening. One is indie games are making money. Right. The uh, The other one is the tried and true franchises are getting tired. Um, I don't know necessarily as much about Call of Duty, but certainly like God of War, Gears of War you get the feeling like how long can they go on right and so it's not like we're we're seeing less sequelization but we are seeing like um with things like watchdogs big publishers kind of getting kicked in the pants to do something a little bit new uh-huh um and so that probably won't last for too long that's probably just kind of an effect of hey new, new right systems are out let's you know, th- there's a huge reward, right? It's a risk. Is like, oh no, it's a new IP, but the reward is we can make sixteen games with this IP, right? Um, but that that often can lead to new experimentations in tech, new types of gameplay. Like Assassin's Creed is probably the best example of that last generation, right?
1: Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so it's uh. It's kind of the. I think of it as like the um. The car racing equivalent of video games right or a car production equivalent so ferrari makes these insane cars that are extraordinarily expensive to produce and they have technology in them that is like that could be batshit crazy and they're way over the top and what ends up happening is a lot of stuff just trickles down into like generic production so it's not that the world is going to make Ferraris; it's that the world starts using paddle shifters because you yep. know Ferrari's experimenting with that for their, uh, you know, F1 race teams or something like that. So there will—it seems to me like there will always be great room for big developers to experiment with the things, like every once in a while, where there's there's room for them to take a, a risk because the reward could be so big. And granted. Right. There will, still, there will always be sequels and you won't see lots of changes. But even even between, you know, game to game in a franchise, there's always the chance that they get to do something a little different, you know, put a twist on it and make it, you know, introduce the gameplay mechanic that becomes common to other games. Exactly.
0: I think that's, too, what's kind of exciting uh, about the Unreal Engine going cheap. I'm sure that's more than anything else, just Unity right. and the competition and competition and people yeah. making Unity games and making a profit. But also, like, You know, again, like taking the experience and uh, design that all of these big, expensive games have made, and then saying like, "You get it for twenty bucks a month, like for your team," like that—that is very cool. Yeah,
1: I think, and I, you know, I wonder because so Unity's interesting, and having seen people developing things in Unity over the past year like Unity is extraordinarily powerful and you can make a whole lot of games.
0: I was surprised. I downloaded it and spent a good 4 hours with it. That thing is legit. Oh yeah, I mean it is like, a It is
1: com- fucking cated. It is no RPG Maker anymore, right? Nope. It's like it is in like this is what a lot of real development in 3D looks like and Right. Um, there there's so many components to it.
0: And like we're gonna give you a lot of tools and right. a lot of powerful things, and you know you, you're just doing scripting at this point. Like the engine is all baked in, right. but you're you're doing real shit. Like the, it is not all point and click.
1: And you and know? you know you can do real shit in two D or you can you just fix the yep. camera or you do it in three. I mean that's it's not that's how game development has been for a long time with these different engines. But people who are working on those things aren't really modifying them in the same way that you know big budget developers like i said get to use a heavily modified unreal engine where they've spent the last six seven years hammering it out to do what they want whereas you know as someone who is just starting up who gets a unity free license you know you're kind of slave to the stuff that is in unity until you can either figure out the technology or get other people who know the technology better um so it makes the entry to developing certain types of games way easier but mm-hmm. also, there's still like a, a huge barrier to cross between games that look like Unity games and and other things.
0: And games that look like games that were made on Unity.
1: Yeah. yeah, Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, what was that? Oh, so I just played uh, Spec Ops The Line.
0: Let's talk about Spec Ops The Line.
1: Which was built on the Unreal Engine, I believe. Because there was a lot of bad texture pop in. Oh no! (laughs) So, um, but as you're talking about like people getting to do things with shooters, um, you know, a lot has been said about this game, and I'm extraordinarily late to the party. It's been sitting in my queue for a very long time, and so I was like, you know what? I'm finished. I'm gonna go play that game. Try to try to knock it out in a few days, and I was able to play it on normal difficulty up until a point where I just got totally stuck and had to consult with you.
0: Yeah. so, yeah. Um, So, intrepid listeners will remember. Uh, we first talked about this when we were over at Adams back on big episode 95. Yes. He had played it and lent it to me during the podcast. And then in big episode 96, I had finished it. Yeah. Um,
1: and I don't remember either of those two conversations and I hadn't had a chance to go back and listen to them yet.
0: <laughs> I went back and listened to them. And what's funny is I didn't want to spoil anything cause you were still interested in playing it. Uh-huh. So it's not actually not all that substantive. Uh-huh. Um, but I do, I did express a couple things. I remembered kind of baseline. One, the game, it, it looks great.
1: Yeah, the environments look superb.
0: Um, It's, uh, I remembered it being difficult, sometimes unfairly. And I also thought that the shitty gameplay and how not fun some of that game is kind of played into the story. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, may- I think, I, I said, I don't give them credit for that. I think it's kind of a happy accident.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it is a game about the horrors of war and, you know, shooting at stuff should not just be really easy. You should be able to die easily. It's it's not like a super, you know, it's not a super action movie where every shot you fire is a headshot. Um, the
0: thing I remembered the most strongly was how much I liked not not only the, the horrors of war type of stuff, but I like how it played on the fact that first person shooter video game stories like call of duty ghosts are super shitty and super forgettable and you usually don't pay attention to them Mm -hmm. it totally plays on that when it's like what are you doing here who are the bad guys and you're like wait a minute okay so i know who the bad guys are but (laughs) then like the bad guys split into all these different factions right and i think i was shooting at the bad guy bad guys but when maybe that was the good guy bad guys yeah um,
1: Yeah. at some point oh, it's shit. like you have to shoot at anything that's shooting at you so it doesn't right. matter who is good or bad or whatever mm-hmm. um, and, and-,
0: it, and it's kind of an interesting thing about like your decisions and you versus the character you're playing in a video game right. and what the lines are between those yeah. two like I, I like um uh, as you're we talking about the game has all these multiple endings and a completely valid choice at the end of the game is to just put your controller down and say I refuse to play this game anymore and the game will totally end. Yeah. Like you can just like you cannot shoot the um, what's face uh, um, Conrad Conrad. You cannot shoot him and the game will will take over and do its thing. And you can say I take no part. I do not engage with this. Yeah. And the game will give you a wrap up. I think that rocks.
1: It was cool. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was the transition from what I thought about what was going on at the beginning of the game where as I was describing it uh, to Meg's. I said, you know, oh, like the, the guys that you are fighting in this game are all these like Call of Duty sounding gruff people who throw out the, you know, same catchphrases and like the types of things that you would expect to hear as a player of a Call of Duty game. Uh-huh. And like other people are saying like Oscar Mike and you're like, ah, that's, you know, I, that's, this is a thing that I expect to hear from video games, but it is not what my squad is doing. And throughout the course of the game, you begin to adapt that type of language and you like the character becomes more aggressive yeah. and like is screaming at stuff and reloading. And, you know, it's just it becomes much more vocal and, and animated about being in an action shooting game, which is a really subtle but nice transition. I, I, I really liked I liked the story. I liked what it was doing. Um, you know, pe- people made faces at the games for still being a shooting game. Well, and and let's let's not beat around the
0: bush. And maybe you know the game can't, like, have its cake and eat it too. The, it's not a good game. It's not a very fun game to play. No, it's not. At its at its best, it is a super generic sh- shooter with bad controls that you kind of have to get used to. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, actually, that, it probably would play a lot like Uncharted at this point, as far as third person shooters probably, are concerned. Probably,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of like shitty cover mechanics, a lot of like unfair, this makes no sense why I'm dying type sequences, especially in that last like third of the game. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I feel like the game would be better served if it was a little bit more accessible because you do have to like say to people like, okay, Hey, some of the cool story stuff you don't really get unless you finish it. But you're going to really want to not finish this game yeah. part way through. You really have to decide to do it or not.
1: Totally. It's the old, video games require work to experience. And so at some point, you have to make it so that work is not... If you want people to see a lot of things, you have to make it so that that work is not you know drudgery. Um, but I saw it through to the end, and I was very satisfied with it. I, th- I left thinking... Hey, that's cool. Okay. I kind of wish I had played this when everyone was talking about it, uh, but that's why we have the podcast, so I get to revisit those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. I, I still would recommend that game to anybody. Totally. Yeah, I think it is super unique.
1: And it's cheap right now, or it was cheap this past weekend? I think it was five bucks this past weekend on PlayStation 3, which is where I played it. So I played it on a controller that wasn't even as good as a 360 controller.
0: Yeah. I played it on 360, and it did not play very well. Yeah.
1: And the problem is like sometimes I would accidentally hit the like really soft uh, left trigger l2 button hmm. on the back, which is throw a grenade. so sometimes I just throw a grenade at a wall at myself.
0: so I'm I'm on Amazon it's thirteen dollars for the on disk version mm-hmm. 22 on Xbox and on 12 on PC.
1: yeah and I'm sure you can get it even cheaper mm-hmm. in various sales. But I, I did like it, and I think that it's still worth playing at this point. So there you go. Yay. Okay, so we also have another pairing of two games here.
0: We do. I think you should go first. <laughs> so let's. I'm going to talk about Bravely Default a little bit. Uh, we've both talked about Bravely Default. I'm sticking with it. You quit. I quit. You not like it for various reasons.
1: Yeah, various reasons. I, I, the reasons I didn't like it, I talked about all the extraneous things that are in it that don't seem to be contributing that i wanted to participate in but getting over all of that at the the core of what the combat is it feels like it should be a strategy game because of the way that you are picking picking what you're doing in order and deciding how many turns and attacks and all that kind of stuff but the the for me the class system wasn't supporting that those tactics in a meaningful way so that's why i put it down and instead I decided to play Final Fantasy 5 on the Game Boy Advance, which is a game that I know you've recommended on a number uh, of occasions.
0: Final Fantasy 5 is a great Final Fantasy game. It's one of my favorites. Um, I'm, uh, As I've said before, I love the job system. That's why I've... One of the reasons I really like Bravely Default. Um, and the, the Final Fantasy 5 is not the first game where it appears. That's Final Fantasy 3. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy 5... If... if um, Metroid does not define itself until Super Metroid, though you can see where that starts to come from in Metroid. Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy V is the archetypal job system game. Final Fantasy III was kind of like brewing it up and figuring out what to do.
1: Yeah. And I am actually loving Final Fantasy V. It's so good! On the one hand, so Final Fantasy V is pretty easy.
0: Uh, It is easier than Bravely Default. Bravely Default, I think that's the root of it. Bravely Default is a very hard game. Yes. Um Final Fantasy V is uh, not a hard game. I would not go so far as to say it's a super easy game. I mean, it's still a 16-bit RPG. Sure. But but if you're smart and and you're playing conservatively, you're not going to have yeah. any issues. And there. that's the
1: thing, I the trouble I ran into in Bravely Default, which is I would be at the point in the story where I needed to be, and I, I will have progressed through all the things, and I would show up at a boss and they would kill me in one turn just because I didn't know what to expect. But in... In Final Fantasy V, it's like you you pick your job class, and as long as you have enough of st- the stuff on it equipped, it becomes like a fast action game. Like all the yeah. sequences, all the all the battles are relatively button mashy, quick. Like yes, you will have to choose you know whether to cast you know certain magic or to use steel, but in the most right. case, like all my guys, the all my characters right now can do relatively decent damage. You know with thoughtlessly so either mashing on the button or choos- okay. choosing a simple spell
0: it get, it'll get even more rewarding when you get to specialize now unlike bravely default you just get a bunch of jobs in chunks yes like as you like get the crystals or whatever they're like here's four more jobs go for it
1: yeah so this is i think you get like six jobs to start with and then another five after that I've but, actually
0: got the, my copy. Oh, uh, I wish we were doing video. I have my copy of the Final Fantasy V strategy guide right here. I wish I had that. But, uh, if you have any que- questions, you know, I bought this after the fact, the Game Boy Advance version. It is a tremendous strategy guide. So let's see here. Uh, so you start out with freelancer. That's a that's a, a super cool class. I, get, I didn't bother using it at all. You sh- so it sucks at first, but it gets power based on how high your other jobs are. So it's an it's like the most powerful like late game class. Okay. Um knight is super great. Monk, you got to have a monk.
1: Yep. I did the monk got... monk thief thing for starters. Yep.
0: Fantas- see, again. Okay, so
1: it's the same thing. Play, it's the exact same thing as bravely. Playing play
0: Final Fantasy 5, I'm coming in with the job system being like I'm going to have a monk thief. I'm gonna have cuz that's it's, thief super fast, both are light armor, mm-hmm. and I can take the um unarmed skill and just apply it to the thief. You got your white and black mage. Obviously, those are crucial. Uh, bard, who gives a shit. Um, got a blue mage here. That's I always like the blue mage, even though they don't end up being that useful.
1: I've never bothered with that because that is just like an, an extra system that I would have to learn. Yeah, it takes a lot of It's it. the one where well, you, you get monster spells. Right. The
0: monster has to cast it on you, and then you learn it forever. Yeah. So that's actually like some of the more powerful spells are learned that way, but it's inconsistent. Yeah. You got to be patient. Who okay. cares? Uh, time mage I kind of like. I think red mages suck. I know people would disagree, but to me it's uh, in a game that's all about specialization. Why would you pick the one guy who is master of nothing?
1: Yeah, so I have a red mage right now, which I used. Stupid. I use primarily so that I can work on other jobs for other people so that I don't have to worry about them having like the different magic effectively so it is it is me picking red mage so someone else can have two different specializations as opposed to being like well I'd love to have you know uh, this this secondary ability on my character but I need to have black magic there instead as I work on the other job so fair enough
0: I will say I forgot in 595 the one nice thing about red mage is so obviously they'll get red mage 1 2 3 and that's it unless you go all the way to level 4 999 ABP, they get dual cast. Ooh, wow! So if you're gonna, if you
1: stick <laughs> <grind>. it out,
0: <laughs> you grind it out, and then pair that up with a black mage.
1: Also, red mage good. is like relatively decent with weapons. Red mage is
0: good early game and fucking useless. Uh, like at least halfway through the game. All right, that's fair. it's ju- it's just like in any of the Final Fantasy sure, games. Sure. Because they just stop like leveling up. Ah. <sighs> Have I said everything? Summoner, summoner, yeah. I forget how summons are in Final Fantasy v. i for- I don't remember them being especially effective. I don't know. So I, th- I think I probably paired that up with my black mage so that they would just get attack magic yeah, stat damage. Boosts. Um, you have the dancer. Who gives a shit? Dancer. Berserker. I didn't like.
1: I think I have access to the berserker right now.
0: Yes, I do. Okay you got a mystic knight i like the mystic knights yes
1: that's the spell cat was it sword magic or whatever spell sword sword magic yeah right for def- default yeah yeah
0: mystic knight comboed with a regular knight is strong
1: that's what i i have. i have a mystic knight with two handed yeah currently
0: uh some people like the beastmaster here in final fantasy V. you can like capture other enemies and pokemon them kind of i don't really like them oh, man geomancer that's lame who gives a shit what is ninjas ninjas great ninjas very strong sweet um ninja uh, has dual wield which uh so i would definitely get your knight going on some dual wielding
1: okay i've well i've, so, I've not gotten the ninja crystals yet so
0: okay uh, ninja's good ranger i don't really like that i think bows are lame chemist i don't give a shit about oh, that's the like mix potions up yeah
1: i will see i was laughing because bravely default is like this all exact stuff but since i had not played five i had no yeah. context for it yeah it's exactly the fucking same so for me it's bravely default was class systems like in tactics which is much like final fantasy five
0: it's exactly the same yeah there's like and like, the is... in... there is there is a chemist in final fantasy tactics sir absolutely
1: yeah Not in Tactics Advanced, is there? Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, but like, you know, the the use of them is a little different, but to go from one to the other and see not only the classes being the same, but the the, uh, organization of the game, like, you need to go and get, like, to this tower, which is related to an element and... Yep. Get the crystal from it. I'm like, oh, that's, yes, okay, I see it. <laughs> Did
0: I send you a picture like I'm in the goddamn Mithril Mines right now? Yeah. I'm like, why is this not a Final Fantasy game? What is even going on here? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a Final Fantasy. We know it's a Final Fantasy game, but oh, it's... That's it, why I like it so much. It's funny just but, to think that, you know, it is but so I also, similar.
0: I also know, like, i got to be patient, because the whole job system is this risk-reward thing. Like, all right, man, you're like a really good white mage right now, and you need a white mage, because you got to have somebody healing. Yeah. But... This next ability is going to take forever, but you could swap it out for like a time mage and really quickly you're going to get all these time mage abilities. Now you can plop your white magic on there and maybe it's not going to be as good and you're not leveling up the white magic, but you're also going to be learning all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like that whole risk reward thing is really interesting to right.
1: me. I think I it, it really must have to do with the way that that balances with the difficulty and Bravely Default, which maybe not like that game so much. But.
0: Bravely Default, so I'll talk about this, is, is really hard. And it's also really weird in that um, levels matter way more than I'm used to in JRPGs. Like, when I think about Final Fantasy levels, I don't think about there being much of a difference between 40 and 41. Obviously, 41 is better, but it's a minor stat boost. Sure. If, if I'm fighting a 41, eh. I can probably deal with that. That's not the case in Bravely Default. Every level you level up is massive. Like I was uh, um, fighting the like dancer. I think asterisk person. Mm-hmm. I feel like dancer is not right, but whatever. Um, fighting them at like thirty six. I was almost to thirty seven. And I was I was just dying immediately, and I was sitting there like I know what they're weak against. They're just pummeling me, man. And if I got lucky and really was disciplined, I think I could beat it. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna go try to level up. So I leveled up to 38, two levels. Didn't take me that long. One try, one no like,
1: problem. That's not good. <laughs> that is now that it, is bad it, design.
0: I don't. I disagree because it still wasn't easy, and I came in knowing some of the tactics and weaknesses to exploit. But that. Uh, semi-significant boost in power along with like matching the jobs up a little bit better like was very sad it was still like a 15 minute battle Um, but then when I won it was like incredibly satisfying like not only did I win I got so much experience like I almost leveled up again it was like 80% to the next level and I got an asterisk I was like fuck yeah I felt awesome performer that's what it was Um, like it was super rewarding. Like that's the nice thing about some of the difficulty in there. Like it does feel fair to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, if if you acknowledge like, Hey, it's a JRPG, there's going to be a little bit of grinding. And remember, this was an optional quest. I also could have gone and said like, ah, I must not be able to do this yet. I'll go over on the regular path and fight that way. And now that I am doing that, by the way, I'm like, like taking names. I'm clearly a little bit over level now. Yeah.
1: See I so. I didn't like that you could get to a boss on an optional path and not be able to beat them. Like you could you fight your way through the entire, you know, dungeon and you get to the end. And you're like, "Oh, I can't be here right now." Well, like if I couldn't be here right now, try to like gate me at the front of the dungeon and make it clear that I should not be able to proceed through this dungeon rather than just teleporting out and having to come back later and and take care of a boss. Like it should be the the sequence should be dungeon entrance boss not dungeon entrance to right before the boss and then come back and then come back later and beat the boss like
0: right
1: that was not rewarding but i'm glad that you're enjoying it though
0: i'm having a blast man i think it's really good the the jobs have gotten really interesting um oh man okay i forgot final fantasy 5 going back freelancer another good thing about them is they're the only class that they can there's i think this is right their skill is they equip two other classes
1: Oh, so late okay. in the
0: game so late in the game you can like mix and match like anything. That's cool. Yeah. Um plus they're like they can equip anything and I don't know. I, I feel anyway, going back to Bravely Default, I feel like it is a super like it, it is it's the kind of game I want. Like having played Final Fantasies three and five and ten two ten two you should play because you can switch jobs mid battle. Yeah. which is a pretty serious game changer.
1: Uh th- I like I told you I would really like to play 102.
0: Yeah. Um but I don't know. I feel like it is it is a fun reward for somebody who's like, "All right, you you've done these games before. Here you go. Here's that game, but you need Instant. to kind of hunker down yeah. and like think about it."
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll come back to Bravely Default later on in my Sh- life. You should
0: after five, man.
1: No, not after five. I got I got so much else. I got Shin Megami Tensei Four staring at me. Did you buy it? I bought it when I first got. I bought it before I had a 3ds because <laughs> I got it for super no. cheap. Nice. Yeah, so that's sitting on the shelf waiting for me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna blast well blast quote blast through five. I'm gonna play five and enjoy it. And I also I love the Game Boy Advance. That is the freaking best piece of hardware ever made oh it's the best
0: piece yeah, SP. It's, it's really good
1: i can play it with my just my left hand because my thumb can reach across to the buttons so i can plus you know i could be like brushing my teeth and playing at the same time
0: i played a lot of final fantasy 5 on a beach trip on the old uh gba sp
1: yeah that's i mean that's yeah it's just, that's just all it's just, my sp battery is not great anymore Oh yeah, it's uh, it's got a short short battery life. And I looked online to see how much replacements cost. Way too expensive. Twenty dollars for a battery. What? Yeah, stupid. I don't know. But yeah, there's that.
0: All right, so you got one more game here.
1: Okay, yeah, I do have one more game here. Uh, looking through my, I got so I deleted spec off off of the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And. I'm I'm clicking on the link that you just sent me.
0: Oh, it's really reasonably priced, man. It's like 15 bucks. Okay. All right.
1: I'll minimize that. This is the the final
0: fantasy five book. Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot
1: to say, (laughs) um, deleted spec offs off the PlayStation three made room for something else to download. And I decided that as I approached the end of the giant bomb endurance run of persona four, I, I'm not ready to be without persona in my life at this, this current moment. Oh, boy. So I was going to play some Persona 4 Arena, which I bought a, like a month ago when it was on sale. Um, Persona 4 Arena is the Persona 4 story-based, or post-events of Persona 4 story-based fighting game.
0: But it's, it's it doesn't have a lot of Persona 3 in there as well? So it has
1: a handful of characters from Persona 3 who I have not encountered yet. So the premise of Persona 4 Arena is that you know, you, you leave Inaba at the end of Persona 4 and like a year later you come back and you're just going to visit your friends, but something's, something's up, something's weird. And so you turn on the um. Midnight Channel just to see what's going on. And the thing that appears on the Midnight Channel is a fighting tournament that is being run by Teddy, who is dressed like M. Bison with a big cigar hanging out of his mouth, um, who's p- right. pitting different different characters from Persona against each other against their will. So that's the premise. Like, people in the TV world now are, are fighting.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe I should get this game. You're, you're doing a good job selling this game.
1: Uh, so it, it, is, it is super crazy in that way. Um, uh-huh. That's the premise. Okay. It is, a, it is an elaborate visual novel. So it took me at least 20 minutes before I got to the first time I was actually fighting in the game. Can so I interrupt of... for a second? Yes. We
0: need a better term than visual novel to describe that. Uh, because like you mentioned that when i was in line for free comic book day oh sure and i'm like i'm literally going to buy visual novels uh I'm like in like it's it's not descriptive enough to illustrate that it's like not a cartoon sure. but it's still like digital and there's movement i mean do
1: you do you really want to get into cuz video games aren't video games terrible name too yeah anymore. of course <laughs> so uh, um, and, and you can't say and interactive the... Because books are interactive Right uh,
0: There's also the thing when, when people say like You know Video games don't have to be games I'm like yeah they do Like game is right in the title
1: <laughs> Yeah We can call the other things something else So we could talk about them the same you way You can
0: make some Right exactly They can still be valid and awesome And um, we don't have... engaging and enjoyable But yes it has to, have to be some sort of game component some sort of puzzle challenge, whatever yeah. for it to be a video game. But what is a
1: game, Jay?
0: Oh boy, yeah, boy,
1: oh boy. Um, you know,
0: you're saying there's a lot of stories. There's, there's a lot of cutscenes. There's, there's a lot of cutscenes, and it is They're done kidding. all. Now I understand
1: all two D. So it's like the uh, interstitial scenes in Persona. I think I, I don't. I was going to say something about the way Catherine is done. I, I feel like I remember something being said. But there is no like three D component. It's just like flat backgrounds and and your characters popping up, talking heads, faces and in so does it, a familiar so persona. So it way. looks
0: does it look like Persona four where it's like the one character portrait comes up and then text under it? Yep.
1: yep. Okay. Um your character speaks. You Nakamura speaks. No. He Charlie Tunoku. Charlie Tunoku speaks. It is voiced by the guy who was the uh original green ranger or black ranger and then green ranger on power rangers or the second black ranger Whoa. that became the green ranger on power rangers tommy but not tommy Damn. well i look
0: the, i don't know any i did not watch rangers beyond the original i was
1: reading some of the, the wikipedia for money more from power rangers
0: i i hung around long enough for tommy to become the white ranger.
1: yes that is about when i bowed out as well but apparently yeah. There was a like contract disputes after the first season when it got really successful, but they didn't want to pay all the actors that much, and so th- I think three of the characters went like, went to like the World Peace Conference and were just written off the show and got replaced by other Rangers in those same colors. So, the guy who's the Black Ranger who is black, <laughs> he are leaves, and then this guy, whose name is, are
0: I, you talking about the original Black the Ranger? The original Black Ranger, Macedon.
1: He leaves the show. This other guy comes and becomes a Black Ranger, and then I think he becomes the Green Ranger. Once Tommy becomes the White Ranger, it is like it's
0: is, is the Green Ranger still the best Ranger?
1: D- no, because the White Ranger would be the best Ranger.
0: Oh, I liked Green better than White. I liked when I liked when he I liked that five part. The Green Ranger is bad. Yeah, that to me that's the pinnacle of Ranger fiction.
1: Is is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers still on? I think so. You
0: know. Oh man, I watched a little bit of that when it was back on Netflix, and it was bad.
1: <laughs> <gotta be> bad. <laughs> uh, I remember
0: uh, Andy was over here, and it was late at night, and I think we were a little drunk, and we we're like, "Ha, huh, let's watch this. It'll be hilarious." It wasn't hilarious. It was just sad. Oh, no. It was just not enjoyable. It was like,
1: oh. So that guy does the voice acting, and it's pretty good. You know, okay. if the character has to have a voice, they picked a guy who is generic, generically main character enough that, he, that he's serviceable. Um, so you go and you finally get to go into the TV world, and you're like in a set, and then Yosuke shows up, for example, and then it's like Yosuke, but he's not talking like Yosuke, but he's not Shadow Yosuke. You, and then you you get into a fight, and then there is like a forty second fight sequence, and then if you win, you get to progress in the story, and if you lose, game over. You do get to book like it's saving. It's like saving your progress in the story. They call it bookmarking. Hmm. Uh, you can bookmark. You bookmark before a fight. So if you need to return to it, you can. But if you lose in a fight, like I did when I fought Yukiko the first time, who's just the second character, game over. Back to main title, and then you have to like reload the bookmark. It doesn't just like throw you back into the story where you were, or ask if you want to reload. Kind of a pain in the ass. Um, so the fighting as so far as I can tell reminds me of like guilty gear. I don't know how to describe how the fighting works. Uh, there are persona themed things in it. So you, you fight with your sword and your, or your weapons, but you can also your magic powers are basically some type of magic assigned to your persona. So I have Zeo, Zeodine. There is a counter combo system like in all these games uh, your like special meter is your SP meter, so you earn SP throughout the course of the battle, um, and then certain things require SP to execute. Okay, like it, that does sound. This is made by the Guilty Gear people, right? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. Am I? I don't I know any, that? I I know almost nothing about fighting games. I'm the worst person to talk to about this. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. It's made by Arc System Works. Okay. So it's
0: totally the Guilty Gear Blaze Blues.
1: Hey, look at me. I'm, I got that right. That. Nice. Uh, and I'm still learning that. So. I lost three times in a row to Yukiko, and I was like, "Well, clearly I do not understand this because I
0: because you're losing to Yukiko." Yeah,
1: I do not. I do not know how to like block and parry properly or whatever. So, can you
0: can you play as other characters?
1: Yes. So what it, what you can do is at the beginning of the game you're in the Velvet Room, and you can either pick from the four like primary characters from Persona Four. So, who'd you pick? I picked the main character for starters, the full Persona. Sure. Go, sure. go from there but you can also i was gonna
0: ask uh, go ahead you can
1: also start the stories of yosuke yukiko and chie from the beginning if you pick
0: if you pick chie does she only have kick moves i don't know oh
1: that would be great it would be a nice touch i would hope so yeah um yeah off the sea so i guess the idea is that you can proceed down any of these tracks and bookmark them at any time and like go back and forth between the different characters And see the story progress like that. And then eventually you unlock other characters from not only that game, but also from Persona 3. Some of the other characters from Persona 3. Uh, But there's like a really deep story in it. I'm kind of interested to see. I wish I were better at fighting games so that this wouldn't be such a grind. But uh, like, I'm kind of on board with what they're doing with the dumb story. That's
0: kind of why I played a bunch of the Mortal Kombat reboot, which was really good. Until I was like, oh, I have to be good at fighting games to get like more than halfway through this game. Yeah. There
1: there is, you know, there's an arcade mode, and there is a good. Why are you playing that though? Who cares? Well, I'm saying if you need to practice, (laughs) there's that. Okay. And there's also like a really robust uh, practice dummy mode, like a lot of those games have. You know, set set how your practice dummy is moving if they're jumping, so you can work on jumping throws, or just set them to fight endlessly um so i'm gonna see it, how far i progress in the game will totally depend on how much it asks of me as a player like skilled Got player it. there are no difficulty levels so you you'd go in and you play oh and that's it unless i missed something but i was not prompted to select a difficulty level but uh it's pretty it's more persona it has music for persona 4 and 3 so oh, good music uh it's weird totally weird outside of I'm... my comfort zone
0: I've been doing a little bit of research here, and it seems like Power Rangers has aired unabated since 1993 when it premiered. That's amazing. Um, Okay, so the most current ones. So last year there was Power Rangers Megaforce.
1: That sounds like toys I saw on Target.
0: Coming up this year, who will be Power Rangers Super Megaforce?
1: As we know, Super is better than Mega.
0: Um, And then already slated for next year, Power Rangers Dino Charge
1: yeah there's the whole like the, i don't the know the actual dino dinosaur thunder. yeah thunder
0: when an intergalactic bounty hunter comes to earth looking for the paragon prisms entrusted to an alien who lost them during the asteroid bombardment that resulted in the extinction of the dinosaurs the dino charge power rangers are formed to find the paragon prisms first
1: that's cool <laughs> yep that sounds all right i mean those shows were so shitty Yup. Who decided that they're like, yeah, we're going to take this Japanese. Well, I, I guess they'd done it previously with like anime, like Robotech and another things. Of course. Where they just kind of mashed together. Like we're just going to take like the 16th season of the show and use some of that footage in with American actors and somehow make it make sense.
0: Even some of the ones I know that Sailor Moon was really, really heavily edited to like take out some of the characters. Like, I think there were a pair of gay, uh, sailors who they just like edited around the entire series <laughs> like, so that the american like, audience had no awareness
1: nope. of nope does not exist dna um so yeah it's pretty pretty bad so the myomorph power rangers game that's pretty good all right well that's it for uh, what we've been playing jay mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about some news
0: i do i was waiting for this yeah
1: First up, in in news that is not really new. I mean, it's okay. So it's sort of news, but it's not surprising news. It's not like yeah, it's news. It, it's news. It's news. Uh, Nintendo will not be at E3 again this year.
0: I I actually was a little bit surprised at this, um, because um, I don't think that their last year's appearance went over that well. That whole like play the game thing got pretty like it didn't show very well on the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, and given how poor the Wii U has responded, I feel like...
1: Oh, they're going to need to show up and do something well, for the what people?
0: Nintendo's. I don't know what Nintendo's business model is, but if they <laughs> care <laughs> about courting... Money. Well... Okay, I know how effective their business model is, but I don't know what their plans are for the future. And if those plans... And, and maybe they don't. If their plans involve, like, engaging people who are paying attention to E3, mm-hmm. then, like... Going there and showing off cool stuff makes sense. Now, obviously, they'll they'll be at E three. They're just not doing the big press conference. Right. But they, but that's very different from like the what the public sees type of.
1: But last year, I, kind of year, I mean, I think you know from what I remember, if people were talking about the online press conference and yeah
0: you know they treat it like a real thing and they're doing the same thing again they'll have announcements and shit they'll be Mario and Zelda
1: the people who are talking online aren't at E3 physical anyway so it doesn't matter that it's not in a room I don't think so I don't think that moving back to E3 would make make much of a difference you know it may just like the the stories that are being written about them not being at E3 might you know ostracize them a little bit but I think think at this point they've established that the Nintendo Direct stuff has worked well, enough for them that I actually I actually
0: think it's important to keep up appearances in the sense that if you're saying like we have a viable home console in the same way that Sony and Microsoft have viable home consoles, like you need to look like them.
1: Sure. But at some point, if you don't look like them, it, you're just going to look like a liar. So better to not lie than to show up and lie.
0: Maybe that's true. I,
1: I mean, I don't know. Um you had some particular e3 news this year speaking of not being at e3
0: oh i'm so sad so i'm going to europe in june and didn't ever think about it but i will be i will actually be in brussels when uh when the big uh triple electronic is going down oh. so when i get back to the states i just can't comprehend how many podcasts i will have to listen to <laughs> no right be so. so many Listen, You gotta um, find
1: some free Wi-Fi out abroad and just download look, everything. Again yeah, for the plane. Uh, rides. Look,
0: I'm looking forward to uh, uh, our big trip, but I but it does. I have watched live. Well, I haven't watched live all the press conferences. That's that's wrong. But I've watched at least one live, and I've watched them all uh, at some point for the last at least ten years. Like I was thinking, since as long as GameSpot was putting them out, mm-hmm. like I always found time, like either. At school or at work or, like, ducking out. Like, I always made it work somehow to watch those damn things. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me sad. Like, I just I just won't even be seeing them at all. I mean, I'll, I'll sure I'll watch them, like, when I get back. But at that point, it, well, maybe I won't. Because at that point it'll be a week old
1: and, this, you know.
0: But, well, I mean. I'll have, I'll have certainly learned all the news by then. The
1: show is still interesting. Like, yeah, to, it, to see how it unraveled is.
0: You're right. I will definitely watch them. I will definitely watch them. Um, But, yeah, being part of that moment is kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, I watched the Sony one live last year and pre-ordered the PlayStation 4 as soon as they announced the price. Yeah, And, the, and like, on Twitter, they were like, it's on Amazon. And I was like, click, click, and there you go.
1: And uh, so I'm going to miss it because you and I, in the past number of years, have spent the entirety of those days chatting with each other online, talking about the announcements.
0: Mm-hmm. nonstop. Uh, and you often will podcast, like, right after the press conferences.
1: Yeah. So... You know, I'm going to be I'm going to be out hanging dry here. I'm going to just podcast by myself.
0: You could. We'll definitely podcast after I get back, but Jar
1: Time with Bobby. Jar Time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good.
1: Um. All right, next news item.
0: Okay, so Bobby, do you remember
1: Amplitude? Yes. Amplitude is a game for the PlayStation 2, which at some point in my life I've owned two copies and now I have neither of the discs.
0: Uh it is a controller-based rhythm game. The second big game made by Harmonix, the sequel to Frequency, which is I actually really like Frequency, and there's parts of it I like better. Yeah, but it also feels like kind of a proof of concept for Amplitude. Right. Um, if you've played Rock Band Blitz or uh, the Rock Band PSP game, it feels very similar. Um, but obviously, Harmonix went on to make bigger franchises like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. What Central? You may have heard of some of these games. Um dance but there's band? there's been nerds who are like, You should make another amplitude game. Yeah.
1: And when they uh, made Rock I'm band Blitz, everyone's like, You kinda made another Amplitude game. This is game. kinda
0: amplitude, but you not should still quite... make another Amplitude game. Cause because yeah, that game had like a cool aesthetic and like a electronic dance feel and so It was different. And like the power ups were were totally different. Um so they uh uh Harmonics has gone on to Kickstarter. And they're kickstarting a new amplitude game. Uh, it's weird in a couple ways. It's very expensive. It's a seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollar goal. Right.
1: So they're making a a full days. game, big ass. Yeah. Like there's, they, they have the they, game they want to make. It's not like, oh, we would like to do something like amplitude and put out, you know, no, a little, they, like
0: they've actually called it like amplitude HD. Yeah. They're like most of the people who worked on that game still work here. Um, we are are. It, it seems like more than like just upresing it and. Putting it out, but also just kind of like we're going to make it look really pretty on you know right. aspect ratios on new consoles, that type of music, and also kind of a platform to put more music out. It'll be PS3, PS4 because uh, Sony owns the license, so it will not be anywhere but.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah. They made Sony published uh, frequency and amplitude, huh. so that is why it is a PS3 and PS4 game.
1: Cool. I, you know, I have. <laughs> It's like how I felt about Double Fine.
0: So I think there are two conversations to have here. Okay. Um,
1: the let fir- uh, let's get out of, were, out of the way. The first conversation yeah. is a new Amplitude game. That sounds awesome. I would play that.
0: Exactly. So I, I've backed it already. Uh, I got. I actually got in early enough to get one of the like low, like the fifteen dollar early backer price. Mm-hmm. The game's twenty bucks, but if you were one of the first, you got it for fifteen. I was like, no thought immediate buy like uh, that obviously I want a new amplitude I'm happy to help make this happen Um I I haven't uh, there's not a lot of games that I have enough confidence in to pre-order like this, this is one of them Um so absolutely, fucking I'm way into this, however it needs to happen independent of that whole discussion I'm pumped and happy to pay money for it
1: then the other discussion
0: <laughs> the other discussion is a big established company going to Kickstarter and asking people for money
1: and and not just a bit of money like a lot of money which uh, well i should say so, so, by com-
0: somewhat in the range of three quarters of
1: a million dollars yeah yeah that's kind of a lot of money by comparison to projects that have been supported wholeheartedly like the double fine projects it does not seem like an unreasonable amount of money and it is an, um, it's the amount of money that it takes to would take to make a big game
0: well and you'll remember uh double fine asked for four hundred thousand dollars Of which one hundred thousand was for a documentary. They got like over two million million. dollars, and they are having like serious like budget problems with that game. Yeah, like they had to release the first half. Um, It made like they actually put out the first um, documentary video after the game came out, and they were like, the game sold well. It didn't sell gangbusters. Um, which means like we're going to put the first act out on iPad before we do act two.
1: Hmm. I, I, they got a lot of money, but they're still making a niche game. Right. It comes down like it,
0: it's really interesting. Cause like the financial guys on those, the documentary series is like actually totally worth the price of kickstarting that damn thing. Cause he's like really Frank. He was like, this is what I expected the game to do. He was like, um, I'll be honest. Like with all of our like press and goodwill, I was kind of hoping this would do something special. Mm-hmm. It did not. There's no need for like concern it, or like anything like that. Like we're super good. We're glad we made this. We're gonna. We have no problems. Like now making the second half, but it would be really great to get a little more cash flow first. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're gonna do the like iPad version.
1: It's just I don't understand why the consumer needs to absorb all of the risk. Or not all the risk, a lot of the risk in a project like this. Like, why is the onus on, hey, you need to support us so that we can make this game that you want to play uh, um, the appropriate I, way to the, go about this? The, I mean, I guess the billing is this is like
0: all the fans are asking us for this project. OK, well, will you pay for this project? Then we can make the project. I'm not necessarily defending right. that standpoint, but I think it comes off a little bit more honest than that, right? Like, this is a niche game. This is a risky game. If you guys would upfront the money and have us not take the risk, then we could, like, put our developers on it. Because I'll tell you what's not a risk, a Disney video game. That's going to sell fine, mm-hmm. okay? It um, doesn't mean, and I don't mean to dismiss it. I actually think that game looks kind of interesting. Um, But it's like, hey, hey, like, let's go. Now, on the other hand, it does seem... Well, I don't know. I actually don't, I, I actually don't know if I have much of a problem with it. I, I'll i tell you what. I, I'm not 100% sure that I feel real good about established companies like Double Fine and Harmonix using Kickstarter. But I reject the idea that Kickstarter is only for indie development.
1: I, I totally agree with that. Right? I think kick, Kickstarter is should be for things where the people who want to make them don't have mm-hmm. other immediately accessible avenues for getting the money to do that so right. you you can't go get a small business loan to work on a passion project game like that's just not really going to happen exactly and these
0: are independent studios i mean they uh, have a good number of employees oh sure like I mean,
1: but but i don't i don't mean uh, the term i'm i mean like small team you know two i know what work on a game when i say right 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 independent uh not, not I, know, independent, I know exactly
0: publisher. what you mean uh, but i do i do mean to say that it would be different if Activision was kick-starting something. That feels gross.
1: Yeah, but th- they still have the backing of Sony, who was a company, well, aside from their TV business, or their uh, actually, no, it's their uh, computer business, the personal computer business that's dragging <sighs> that company down right now. Right. Or had been I don't
0: know like if that. they have the backing of Sony. I think Sony would be like, if
1: you want to make this game, that's fine. But you have to assume all the risk. And then, right. then the harmonic says, well, we want to make because this game all right. S- if my guess is if sony would
0: publish the game meaning like the traditional publisher hey here's some money now you make it and we'll take a cut sure and push it out then this game would exist
1: uh, that's interesting i would i would love to know what those talks were like we want to make amplitude hey sony and then someone at sony you know whoever their coordinator is whether it be Adam Boyes or you know someone in a different department who focuses on bigger games instead of just like the, the smaller independent developers um, right. said like, well, he's mm, still not good enough. Like the promise isn't there. I don't know. It seems to me that with the popularity of what harmonics has done in the past, that working on something like amplitude is a relatively sure thing, no matter what.
0: I don't think so. I, well, one, um, Maybe. so the music genre isn't what it was a couple years ago, right? Two, I wonder how Rock Band Blitz did. I, yeah, because if Rock Band Blitz didn't do well, which is a you know an inexpensive game using all your existing Rock Band content right. that is very similar to Amplitude, if that game didn't do great,
1: yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why or what would have caused that game not to do great. I mean, I didn't care for it because it made me. I got motion sickness from it. Yeah, um, and
0: and that's fair. I I, I went nuts for yeah, it. but I'm
1: but I you know impressed. is there is there a different is there a separation between music fan genres for people who like playing games with plastic instruments versus people who like playing the, the weird original thing and that there's no, not that much middle ground.
0: But there should be people who like playing karaoke party games and people who like playing games that demand like technical precision but you're also getting cool music and visuals like they are super different games yeah
1: that's what i'm saying like but that's that's why rock band blitz doesn't work because it is somewhere sort of in the middle because like oh rock band that seems i like this music i like these songs and it's like playing it with the plastic instrument but i'm you know i could just sit with my controller i don't have to hook all that shit up like that would be cool um but then it's inaccessible because it is technically challenging right i mean you it's It immediately tries
0: to be accessible because because you're curating the song list, which you're not in Amplitude. But as soon as you start to play it, you're like, oh, no, this is a single-player, like, precision game. Whoops. Oops. But I can listen to Weezer if I want, as opposed to, like, Paul Oakenfold.
1: (laughs) Why would you want to?
0: I know. I've heard that Weezer song, like, 800 fucking thousand times. Like, no thank
1: you. Yeah. So, I'll see. I mean... They it's a three quarters of a million dollars. They've already surpassed a hundred thousand and it's only been up for what six seven hours now? I don't remember they announced exactly. This afternoon. That's, yeah, so yeah, seven or eight hours. Um it'll be interesting to see. I think it does make its goal, but I don't think it I mean they have eighteen days and it'll make its goal, but I wonder how fast it will be. Like if it's like it's the same the same race to finish as some other stuff has been for backing.
0: It's um so they there's way fewer days than most. It's only up for 18 days. And the reason um because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. The reason apparently is that they're like, we have these like work cycles. And in 18 days, we need to know whether like go or not or like assign all these engineers to like something else.
1: More Fantasia yeah no. that's yeah interesting
0: We'll see, I hope it gets funded. I mean, you know, politics aside I hope for your sake too it gets
1: funded it. I just
0: and i think I think if you feel weird about that, if you were excited about it, go back right. it. if you feel weird about it, don't back it and buy it and then buy it, when it comes hopefully, out fully, yeah, and then hope exactly exactly buy it when it comes out,
1: which is fine, like you know i still I will take the the five dollar hit for not being an early supporter but I will likely just so I, buy it on a sale anyway. So,
0: I will say, though, so I backed um, Broken Age, but I didn't back at a tier to get my name in the credits. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking here. Apparently, by being an early backer, I get my name in the credits. Hey. So if this game gets made, you can have a giant do I get a page. giant bomb page?
1: <laughs> that is a great question. You should write into the podcast. I should. Hey, my name appeared in the credits with a thousand other people. Do I get a giant I'm bomb
0: page? I'm credited in a video game.
1: That is a really good question. You should write them. Oh, too, I should write late. them.
0: They'll say, "Yep, you get a page," and I'll just put Jason Ford, Job System Enthusiast. <laughs> uh,
1: the the last bit of news here. Yeah, happy birth. No, I can't say that. What can I say? Happy birthday, happy birthday. Non-copyright infringing song about birthdays to you. Hey, the Game Boy turned twenty-five last week.
0: It did. That is old. Yeah,
1: it's pretty old. <laughs> when you think about the legacy of the Game Boy as something that effectively still exists in the form of the 3DS, like that is the same like Nintendo handheld platform. But like as far as those things go, there is a great continuity between the original instantiation of it and and where we are now in a way that a lot of other hardware manufacturers have not been able to do over the course of the years. So. I want to get my details
0: right here um so the game boy came out um in 1989 correct the game boy advance do
1: you remember when that came out i'm gonna say some spring of 2000 no spring of 2011 well that's no, sorry, a horrible 2000, guess. 2001,
0: sorry. 2001 is correct. June June 2001 in the states, June, March in Japan. So that means that it was around for 12 years. Well, as as the dominant portable platform.
1: It's all hardware changes, like a bits of hardware changes going from the Game Boy to the Game Boy Pocket and the Game Boy Color.
0: Mad, but those those play the same games. That's oh, like, oh, yes. That's like saying that the PS3 Slim is a new console.
1: Oh, well, the Game, game Boy Color is different. It played the Game Boy Color is is a weird mix because it's it, it's the same thing, but it's also backward compatible. It's fully backward compatible, and
0: most of the games that came out w- were compatible with black and white games. Yeah, there were very but there were very
1: few Game Boy Color only games. Notable because yeah. they were in the like clear. Like the see-through uh, cards, exactly.
0: Like those uh, Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Ages games, and the like, Super Mario Brothers port. Oh yeah, th- those
1: were all backward compatible. You're saying they were they, they were made weren't. to be in color, but you could play them on black and white.
0: Not Oracle of Ages and Seasons. I think.
1: Are you sure? Those are regular ass no. cards. Are they really? Yeah. That, those oh. are just. I have them.
0: <laughs> nope. It says only for color. Really? Hang on. I don't know if you're right, dude.
1: Let's, let's audio-fy this.
0: I would have to leave the microphone if I went and got my copies.
1: I happen to have it out, my drawer of them out for
0: some reason. That is the sound of a man rifling through. Where are A the mess of Game Boy games. Aha, there it is. There's, I've got them. I've got them both. I think I have two copies of Ages, and I also just bought them for the three DS because oh, I'm. You're
1: totally right. I'm sorry. Yay. Yep. My bad.
0: Yeah, because I played those on the Game Boy Advance. Because remember, if you played them on the Advance, you got an extra dungeon. Oh yeah. Anyway, anyway. we're not talking about that though. But my my point was like, even if you have the Game Boy Color, which I think came out in '98, it is easily, easily the longest lasting system.
1: Yes. Totally. 100. percent um, uh, and a really good system, you know, a system that, despite its hardware limitations, f- was able to implement a lot of different genres, and ev- well, ev- yeah, well, and evolved over time. Um, in a way that sometimes you just get stuck in a hardware rut where you can't figure out you know, how to how to improve and how to process. The introduction of color, in particular, like the color part of it, didn't matter because those games still played the same when they were in a different color um, that was
0: interesting too they it, and it didn't change the graphical processing right. power but it just added color. Yeah, but
1: if you look at like the king of fighters game which is ridiculous that there could possibly be a, a decent fighting game on a, a platform of that low power uh, if you look at that like it's really robust and actually yeah. surprising so you know been around for a long time now as you will recall jay your famous quote to me was you chose poorly. You you picked wrong. Oh, you picked wrong. I'm sorry. Fuck. Yeah. That was from Indiana Jones. No, you picked wrong. Is when uh, growing up, I first had the Lynx, Atari Lynx, oh, and boy. then I had the Game Gear, yeah. because those were in color, so color had to be better. So it wasn't until the Game Boy Color came out that I actually uh, had any Game Boy games. So I played at friends' house. But
0: it's insane. I I got my Game Boy on kindergarten graduation day ha huh. night 1990 got the game boy and a copy of super mario land
1: that's a good good pack
0: which you could kind of just stop right there and you've got two solid games yeah.
1: yeah but uh yeah it wasn't until much later that i actually got a hold of a piece of big fat gray what do you what do you like to call it? you call it big fat gray i call it big fat gray, big fat gray. i don't
0: i don't like think that's the right answer, but I've just always called it big fat gray, Call
1: old gray. Old gray is good but some point, and it's O L apostrophe. Sure, old gray. Uh,
0: so, which iterations do you have? I had a um big fat gray, then I had a big fat clear, and then I had a color. Hang on, let me look at my drawer here. Okay, so two separate questions because you're kind of a collector. So, what did you like have have like okay. live and using, okay. and then what have you acquired?
1: My first first one was the clearish purple game boy color wow okay um and that was one of the original game boy colors i then since have acquired a teal game boy color
0: okay yeah they had i think they came out i had a solid purple game boy color yeah it, and i think the, those were the only two salt yeah solid
1: oh. and it was solid purple, Clear purple. and clearish purple um, and then my game boy advance is the, I think Arctic blue or something. It's like a clear, we're not talking blue. about game. I know advance. But you were asking, uh, I'm talking about, no, I'm asking about game boys. And then I have, I have a pocket somewhere, but I don't know where it is. The,
0: you know, I, I always thought the pocket was stupid and did not ever have one, but looking back on it, it's nice. Like the form factor is great. Big screen, like much, much sharper blacks and whites than the, uh, and at some point, Game uh, did
1: we get the Pocket Color? Or was that only... Or Sorry, not Pocket Color. The Pocket... Uh, the lit Pocket version? I don't think we there was did. was like a side light Pocket be, version. I think that may have I been Japan be, only. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, so for me, the Game Boy was a lot of catching up. It was, okay, I have this Game Boy now. I'll go over to Game... Or I'll go over to Land and buy some of the games that I've missed. So... I have a lot of Game Boy games, but many of them are just multiple copies of, you know, Pokemon Blue and Red, and Pokemon Blue and Red. <laughs> I have like four, or three of each. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I, uh, there was definitely. I did not have as fond nostalgic memories playing that because I didn't have it. What are you What are you looking at online? I can tell you're rifling through the internet. Well, I was eBaying Game Boy
0: Pockets because I was like, maybe I need one of those. They're like twenty-five
1: dollars. Mm. If you could guarantee if you could have a lit the problem is the lighting. It's just not fun to play on something that's not. I know. I looked it up. That's the Game
0: Boy Light, and that is Japan okay. only. Yeah,
1: Game Boy Light. But yeah, stuck around for a long time. Now, Jay. Yeah. Before we discuss some of the games, I was thinking maybe we could talk about some Game Boy Facts. oh agreed. So, um, Straight, f- You know, there's, there's a lot that we remember yeah. about the Game Sure, Boy,
0: as we've just demonstrated.
1: But there's a lot that we have forgotten.
0: Mm, I bet.
1: And what impresses me is that on the anniversary, 25th anniversary of the Game Boy, some intrepid news outlet has gone deep into the archives to remind us of the 25 things we forgot about Game Boy on its 25th anniversary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, Susanna Kim, notable games journalist, Susanna Kim... Has provided, Big
0: notable games journalist, Susanna Kim. Has provided
1: us with a story on ABC News to help us all remember the things that we've forgotten. So, here are the 25 facts that will bring you back to 1989. I believe we can just alternate, Jay? Yeah, why don't you kick it off? Um, number one fact you may not have remembered. This may be true. Game Boy launched April 21, 1989 in Japan.
0: There you go. That's the 25th anniversary. Was, just, just a little bit ago. Released
1: four years after the NES. And it, uh, it, it brought hits like Mario and Zelda into homes for the first time,
0: I feel like I've heard which is not
1: true. Nope. Which is because nope. Zelda did not come out until much later.
0: Then 89. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also like Link's was li- on the, also was on the NES twice yeah. before it, it actually was on the NES twice and then the Super Nintendo once. Yep.
1: And then 92 and then the or ninety.
0: I think it's 93.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Um, number two, uh, the Game & Watch was the predecessor to the Game Boy. Let you play Donkey Kong. I forgot about that.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a fact what? about the Game Boy that I forgot. That Donkey no, Kong. Inter-
0: no interchangeable cartridges. No. They were like the uh, like Tiger handheld things, but they were Nintendo. Not super big in the States. Um, but that's a fact. That's a Game Boy fact. Here's another
1: Game Boy fact. Um, it was designed... Oops, I lost my page. Game Boy was created by designer Gunpei Yokoi. I did know that. I actually, I knew that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: He, uh, Metroid as well? The Metroid guy?
1: No. I don't remember.
0: I think he's Metroid guy as well. He did a couple of things. He worked on, like he
1: worked he he on Game & Watches. Let's see. I'll just quickly... Oh, yes, you're right. Kid Icarus and Metroid. He also designed uh, Rob, the robotic operating buddy.
0: Well, you can't win them all. Number four, it's Game Boy. Two words, not Game Boy. Tubular. Tubular.
1: What? Tubular?
0: Why is that? You know, hey, we're talking about 1989. Got it. And everybody was
1: saying tubular. Gotta throw in just a word like tubular.
0: Tubular.
1: Uh, Nintendo's press page indicates Game Boy's U.S. system release date was July 21st, 1989. I bet you did not know that that press page actually said that.
0: It indicates that, but it actually didn't come out until August 15th, 1994. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nintendo's press page is a (laughs) lie. Did not come out until 1994 here in the States. What didn't? The Game Boy. Tubular. Tubular. Number six, Game Boy's first screen had four colors of gray. I knew that as well. Yes. It's gray scale, some might say.
1: It's not green, despite it looking green. It's not. That's it's just, just different. That's the color of the it's display. Grayscale. Yeah. Hey, did you know number eight, Game Boy was battery operated? AA batteries.
0: That's the wrong one. You should, well, we'll switch oh, it. Oh,
1: fuck. Well, you get the better one, so it's okay. I
0: do. Yep, I did know it was battery operated. Four big AA batteries. Did you know in
1: 1989 there were no cell phone chargers?
0: Which I did not also, know that. Also, th- there were car phone chargers, though.
1: Well, no, car phones didn't have to charge.
0: Oh, that's why right. they just ran off the car battery. How, well, how the, did they? they had, that's what I meant. That's what I yeah. meant. They had car batteries. How did so. a
1: cell phone charge? Like the like Zach Morris phone? How did that charge?
0: Um, I mean, could they have? I mean, they were big enough that they could have put some like C batteries
1: in there or something. Yeah, really? that's, that's an interesting question. All right, I did not know that. Number eight. Sorry, number seven.
0: Number seven. Game Boy had eight bit processor. Game Boy did. Game Boy had 8-bit processor. Super Nintendo Entertainment System had 16-bit processor. Mm.
1: Game Boy Advanced hardware.
0: Oh, yes. It was, an adva- uh, it was an Advanced Game Boy with 8-bit processor.
1: Very good Game Boy was. At time. Number nine. Game Boy brought Tetris to the masses. If you don't know anything about Game Boy... This may be a surprising fact. If you know anything about Game Boy, this is the only thing you would know about Game Boy.
0: There was Tetris on Game Boy. Yeah. I feel like that would surprise a lot of people, actually.
1: No, it wouldn't. You sure? I'm pretty sure that that is the thing people would know. Okay. okay.
0: Number 10, the price was sweet, bruh. <laughs> Just $89.99. It's a pretty good price, bruh.
1: Jay, name a price. <laughs>
0: uh 89.99
1: that's a good price bro
0: okay all right so we've got one dollar
1: hey number 11 okay this is applicable to me talk about my hardware de- decisions at the time there was competitor atari Lynx. about 179.99
0: okay so that's twice as expensive but it did have color yep uh so you were like sign me up i can hold this upside down and still play still it still not grammatically correct. Uh, number 12 Game Boy Second most successful Video game system Ever released No sorry which say,
1: is a, say it again The end of it again Game Boy
0: Game Boy Second most successful Video game system Ever released There you That's go That's a statement With a question mark at the end. <laughs> Yeah Nintendo says on This website That Game Boy Is the most successful Video game system Ever released But Game Boy Sold over 118 million Units And Nintendo DS Sold over 150 million Units Also they didn't Ever close that Quotation
1: Oh boy! So the rest of the, the rest of this list, number thirteen through twenty-five, is all part of the quote. This is
0: all from the Nintendo website. Right.
1: Hey, Jay, number thirteen. Uh-huh. Game Boy was not just for boys. It's got a boy right in the name. Nintendo claimed that forty-six percent of Game Boy users were female in nineteen ninety-five, a major leap from the twenty-nine percent of the Nintendo Entertainment System. That okay. that is actually an interesting fact. Like to so, yeah. So, uh,
0: are you telling me that I should ignore? uh like gendered pronouns in toys please okay so are, you're telling me that my copy of girl talk is totally fine to own and that we can play that next time people come over
1: wait to oh, girl talk girl talk the
0: board game come oh on. yes
1: uh also your talk person tape recorder
0: talk yeah my yeah my that is a talk boy but as we've just established that is not just for girls right. um also, Girl Talk, my favorite mashup artist.
1: <laughs> Number 14.
0: Game Boy Pocket was introduced nope, in Nope, nope.
1: Try again. Say it again. Oh, Game, oh
0: so. Game Boy Pocket introduced in 1996.
1: This one has a period after it, it for some reason. Well,
0: some of them do. Some of them don't. Look at 15 and 18 do. 16 and 17 don't. G-
1: Pocket was released the same year as the Nintendo 64.
0: It was. Uh, introduced in September 96. It was smaller than the original. That's crazy. To think
1: about yeah. how many pieces, how many hardware systems were out there.
0: And it's also surprising that they would make it smaller. You would think they would make it bigger, because bigger is better, right. as Texas has taught us.
1: Well, now, 3DS, 3DS XL. Mm-hmm. Great. That's the way to go.
0: Which... And, you know, the, you buy the Excel because it accelerates the processor and the games run better.
1: Did you know, Jay, number 16, that before the Game Boy color, there was you, Game Boy? That's right. You,
0: you, okay, you've skipped another one, but that's God fine. God damn it. I keep,
1: oh, I, I keep scrolling down. <laughs> it's,
0: not, it's not a problem. Uh, I did, yes, I did know there was a Game Boy. Then they were like, this is black and white. And people were like, that's not a big deal. And then 10 years later, they made a color.
1: It included a choice of colors, including transparent. Mm -hmm.
0: so it it has so many colors they were like we could actually have the absence of color (laughs) one of my favorite thing about this is that it's totally wrong and that the picture here is not a picture of a color game boy that is in fact a game boy i owned, the clear big fat game boy
1: You're, you're right
0: as we discussed like 10 minutes ago game boy color was in purple and clear purple yeah
1: Good 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 grab.
0: So uh Game Boy also spawned the Pokemon series, which I don't know if you know this, it was a, uh, it also became a popular cartoon toy and film brand. Uh it was originally released for the Game Boy around nineteen ninety six, which I think is wrong. I think it came out in ninety seven seven in Japan and eight here. Um let me Yeah, let me I
1: think you're right. Hold on. If not it was late ninety seven here, if that's true. <laughs> And earlier in Japan. yeah. Why don't you do okay, it? Okay,
0: I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It is, it's It's uh, February 96 in Japan, but not until sept- September 28,
1: 1998.
0: Yeah, wow. What's a- Here in the States. So and technically, then, uh, technically then, it's technically true. And then, yeah. Technically it's true, but I don't know. All
1: right. Number 17. Since I can read. Hey, did, here's a fact you don't know about the Game Boy J. Okay.
0: Game Boy Advance. Oh, an advanced Game Boy.
1: Game Boy Advance. That's that's the fact. It just says Game Boy Advance. I don't know. Game Boy Advance launched in June 2001 North America, featured a larger screen and better graphics than previous versions of the Game Boy.
0: Whatever. The Game Boy Advance SP was re-released in 2003, which makes no sense because it was released in 2003. You you
1: can't re-release something that has not been released previously. Let's move on. Uh number nineteen, Game Boy was precursor to Nintendo DS.
0: False. Nintendo reached older audience by dropping the boy element in Nintendo DS, according to US Gamer.
1: Hmm. Twenty one. Game Boy Micro introduced two thousand five.
0: Well the Game Boy Printer launched in nineteen ninety eight.
1: Counterfact. You can quote play Game Boy games on your iPhone or iPad. There's a Game Boy Advance emulator, which is...
0: (laughs) Yeah, the quote-unquote best emulator.
1: According to CNET. It's not endorsed by Nintendo. And it also doesn't play Game Boy games. It plays Game Boy Advance games.
0: You can also download apps that simulate the nostalgic Game Boy experience with a similar monocolor experience like a video games quiz. Again, this is not a product created or licensed by Nintendo. What?
1: Okay, let's get back to things that are licensed by Nintendo.
0: Number five, number 25, big last fact, last thing we did?
1: Quote, know. in quotes, Game Boy on Android. My boy! My boy is an app available. My boy. <laughs> created by Game Boy Fan in the Android Play Store, and it's free. It's a super fast emulator that can run Game Boy Advance games on a broadest range of Game Boy devices. I like
0: that this is ABC News and the last three. <laughs> Like facts you forgot. Like you forgot you could illegally emulate games like through like a backdoor Android app.
1: Sideloaded.
0: Also uh, also not about Game Boys. Twenty five things you forgot. Uh did you buy an Ouya and forgot that you could pirate good games on it? Well, let me remind you. You can totally sideload all this stuff.
1: I'm going to have to bookmark this thing for later A circus accident headline
0: Oh yeah Okay Who says old media's done
1: <laughs> Thanks ABC News But more importantly We have something to do
0: Good morning Captain Well good morning to you Ha <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need another Mule
0: Skinner The list Down on your
1: Jay, how yes, how did we go from not having anything to talk about on the podcast to hitting the two hour mark?
0: We really spun our <laughs> We must
1: have. I don't know what happened. So, all right, well, let's let's
0: blast through this. Let's list. do this.
1: We didn't get a chance to talk about the games of the Game Boy. So, I suggested that this week we do our uh, five favorite Game Boy games.
0: Yeah, five Game Boy favorites. I don't know, you know, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know about you. I'll speak for myself. I didn't make. Uh, I don't know if these are my top five games. I don't know if I ranked them. If I had more time to think, maybe I could come up with a more definitive list. Yeah, but th- but I, I like. But f- I will say they're five of my favorites games. I love and would recommend Absolutely. without reservation. Now there are
1: a couple things that we did. Number one, uh, we can do Game Boy Color games that were backward compatible. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, you you have to be able to play it on the gray Game Boy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And number two, in order to pare down the list so that we're not just all picking from the best, we have a unique joint list that we first are going to start with, and then we'll go into our individual lists.
0: So to keep it interesting, you know, in the past we've done, like, pick your six through ten best games, just kind of keeps it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, We've eliminated what uh, we'll call this kind of a sub list, five obviously great Game Boy games. These are games, that they're just obviously great. They're going to be on anybody's list. Let's just get them off the table and acknowledge they're great so we can get into some more interesting
1: things. Yes. Uh, so, number one, we got Tetris. Of course. Uh, despite the Tetris. fact that Tetris DX is better. Oh, Tetris DX is better. <laughs> it is. And it plays on the Game Boy. I'm going to write Tetris DX. Change now. it. Changing it up. Yep. It is a better game. Change it up. Tetris DX. Uh, next up, personal favorite of the show, Pokemon Blue.
0: We have talked at length about Pokémon Blue, how it is one of the finest games of all time, and certainly one of the finest Game Boy games of all time. Mm-hmm. Number three, we got Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening DX, a game I feel like we've talked about a lot. I know I recently just replayed it for the umpteenth time on 3DS. It is still fantastic, a weird and wonderful.
1: Oh shoot, I talked over. That's it. okay. I didn't. I didn't. Know, uh, but...
0: a weird and wonderful entry in the Zelda series. Um, that's like. Four,
1: five, six bucks on 3DS. Everybody should, everybody should play it. Totally. Uh Next up, one that we both agreed on: Metroid 2, The Return of Samus.
0: Yeah, this is a fantastic game. I, you know, this is a game that, despite having a Game Boy uh, since 1990, I did not play till college.
1: Yeah, I only bought it a year or two ago. Have you? Whoa, really? Yeah. Had you played it before then? No, never played it before then. It, it's your shit, me. Not shitting you. It plays really well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: it plays fucking. Th- great. There's a I lot of there's me. a lot
1: of emptiness and kind of wandering in it. But as far as a Game Boy game goes, and to be coming off of Metroid, it is dude, really I, good.
0: I played it in brown, um, second year on the Game Boy Player, um, on the GameCube, oh. and it looked great, like big Samus sprite. Like that's a good dude, that's a good idea. Looked great. I did use a walkthrough because it's kind of hard to get around yeah. sometimes but that is a strong fucking game much better than metroid one by the way yeah like significantly better and then the last one is super mario land two six golden coins one of the best graphically looking games on the game boy uh first appearance of wario um really impressive uh level design and uh, detailed sprite design yeah because i was thinking because
1: um, you suggested uh, super mario land and i was like uh eh, i kind of remember that being just kind of okay um and then I was like, let's look up 2 again, and I was reminded at how, I mean, it's being based off of Super Mario World, it just looks so good on the Game Boy.
0: Yes, the way that Mario is drawn very specifically yeah. looks like Super Mario World, and it looks, yeah, it looks fantastic, much better than just about any other Which game.
1: Which is Boy. where, like, Super Mario Land looks like Mario the first, and then they, like, skipped 2 and 3, and then went straight to World, so...
0: So there we go. So those are five obviously great Game Boy. So now let's get into our actual lists. Five Game Boy favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will go first. I will.
1: This was my week. Um, I'm going to start off with. So a couple of these I've only come to recently. Well, here's here's the question. I realized the thing you'd ask me if there's a game that's going to be on both our lists, and then I Just then I it. remember what the game was. Yeah. First game on the list: the Pokemon Trading Card Game
0: pokemon trading card game on both of our lists yep. abso fucking i bet that's
1: the only overlap we have
0: uh yes i agree yeah
1: so uh we've talked at length about that if just go buy a co- i have two copies go i
0: have a copy i erased mine a little while go, ago it's go great. buy a
1: copy it's it's a phenomenal game it's probably better than pokemon it's certainly better than every no, pokemon that's come after blue hmm?
0: okay you know i've heard x and y are real good
1: they're still the same game this is different
0: I'm not I'm not necessarily arguing against you. I'm just trying to think of what I've played. It's not better than Pokemon Blue. Yeah,
1: It's really good, though. It's
0: really good. It's really good. All right,
1: so I'm going to throw one out here, which is, in retrospect, not a good game, but was a game that I played uh, at a friend's house that really impressed me because I hadn't had the chance to spend much time with the Game Boy. So Castlevania the Adventure is not a good Castlevania game but I was really impressed that I was able to play what looked like the Castlevania game I was playing on my Nintendo in my hands on the go, in the car. So it earns a spot on my list just for that reason.
0: That's cool. You know, like there's a lot of franchises like that. I know people... have some levels of fondness for the Mega Man games on Game Boy. Yeah. I do not. I've, uh, every time I played one, I was like, oh, this is like the NES version, but not as oh, good. good. yeah.
1: Apparently, Mega Man 5 is u- like all unique characters, whereas the previous games were hodgepodge of NES characters. Yes. Uh, but I, I never played that. And also, there is apparently a, a TMNT game, the third one, that is like a Metroid-type game of exploring a big map area. I didn't area. know that. So didn't I not have that? to get my hands on that. But I would never played that before, so... First game on my second list. Game on
0: your list. Uh, second game on my list. Uh I was shocked. Shocked, I say, listening to the Giant Bombcast this week, as nobody knows anything about Kirby. Uh they were talking about Kirby's adventure not being that great in the debut. They did not remember that Kirby did, was yeah. a debut on the Game Boy in Kirby's Dreamland. um a fantastic game in its own right, though I gotta say I picked Kirby's Dreamland too um is the game i will put down uh as an owner of a game boy and it always feeling like a cool portable system but kind of the second run Mm -hmm. for the super nintendo for most of its life um it was cool to get kind of a franchise that could be owned on the seer on the uh handheld and kirby streamland 2 is a big long uh, expensive platformer where you had weird fucking superpowers and buddies uh that were not around in dreamland one so in kirby's dreamland you could suck people out and spin them up um in kirby's adventure for the nes that introduced like you could inherit powers of other people Mm -hmm. but in kirby's dreamland 2 they combined inheriting powers with riding around on animal friends to make a total nonsense game (laughs) you could ride around on a hamster's back you could ride in the talons of an owl or you could ride in the mouth of a fish i believe
1: i now remember this nintendo power cover i think they have one for it so great. And and the
0: powers were different depending on your buddy. So, for example, if you got the electric power by yourself, you would just, like, shock electric everywhere. But if you were in the fish mouth, the fish would glow and a big um, uh, uh, light bulb would come out of his mouth. And you could, like, go around shocking people underwater like that.
1: Yep, totally. Nintendo Power issue number, I can't see. But it shows the hamster behind bars in Kirby. Coming to the rescue. Kirby's of Dreamland Two
0: came out in nineteen ninety five. Kind of uh not really. I guess kind of late um,
1: <laughs> for something with such a long life. It's hard to
0: play. for something with such a long life. Yeah, like kind of in the middle of it. But uh, you know, uh, it's on the three DS Virtual Console. I've been playing it a whole bunch. Uh, fan fucking tastic game. I'm gonna say it's the best Kirby game.
1: Hmm. Until my next. Game. Okay. Nice, good choice. Okay, next on my list, uh, Jay, if Trials Fusion isn't going to do it for you, might I recommend the game Motocross Maniacs?
0: Yeah, okay. I have uh, I've, was actually watching Jeff play this game not long ago. Yeah,
1: so um, this is a game that I actually had when he played it. And I was like, I don't remember this. I think I got it in like a big batch of games that I bought at Yartel or something. So I mm-hmm. went to play it, and it is totally awesome. It is Yeah. as far as like a little excite bike like stunt biking game goes uh really well executed runs smoothly controls well in for a system that i don't think does action controls very well like it can sort of handle platforming uh and is really good for rpgs or like you know tile-based things um the sensitivity required to play other types of action games isn't necessarily there so motocross maniacs is really cool and it's fun to see uh, that kind of st- stunt bike and um what are they called moped not moped it's like motocross motorcycles actually working cool
0: so I said Kirby: Streamland 2 is the best Kirby game it might be but a, the only serious contender would be Kirby's Pinball Land which I've talked about a lot uh it came out in 1993 uh still my favorite video pinball game of all time uh Every stage has three different levels, each its kind of own pinball machine that you then go and fight a boss on. It's it's a good pinball game or a good video pinball game specifically in the same way that Pokemon Pinball for the Game Boy Color is that like uses not just the look of the game that it's uh you know taking its name and uh sprites from but also making it feel a little bit like a game and that series. having
1: having mechanics that ape things in that game but applied to a pin exactly table.
0: i guess sonic Spinball, yeah. although that's not a great game yeah. kind of did the same thing too um i've not again, I, talk- you know, i've never played it <sighs> boy you should totally you should totally i, want, should I wonder
1: totally if that's that. out on a virtual console of well there is there is the world's virtual yeah. console as recommended it's
0: on the 3d it's on the 3ds virtual console i own it
1: hmm Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Here's a game I did not know about until a friend of the show, good friend of the show, Loso recommended it to me. Yep. It's Donkey Kong, which is also known as Donkey Kong. 94,
0: 1994. That game's fantastic. The
1: the proto um, Mario versus Donkey Kong. Hold
0: up. Had you, yeah, I was going to say, had you not played?
1: Never touched it. Didn't know there was a game before Mario versus Donkey Kong.
0: You are fucking kidding. Which is one of my, you know, like, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, like I think it's like half a remake of that game, isn't it?
1: It's, uh, I, remake is not the right word, but it is. It is the same. It's the same game.
0: game. Oh, I can't believe I'm, that. Yeah, Donkey Kong '64 or Donkey Kong '94 is it? I have no
1: idea, and it still plays pretty well. It's a little sluggish, mm-hmm. uh, sure. By by comparison to a lot of modern stuff, where you're you're doing some puzzle platforming, but uh, it's really cool, and I was glad that I got to go back and experience it. Totes. Totes.
0: Um, my fourth game. Uh, I actually put Super Mario Land one on my good list. for you. Um, I I thought about this because it is not as good as Super Mario Land two. However, however, it, it is such an incredible early Game Boy game. Like all the sprites are really, really, really small, and it's a, a little. It's clearly limited in its scope uh, when you look at it now. Yeah. But at the time, it was really special. And I also like how, in a way that Nintendo does not feel like they're doing now, they felt okay to take weird fucking risks for that series. Like, this is still in a world where we had, like, Mario and Mario 2. Like, here's, like, a whole nother fiction. There's, like, palm trees everywhere. And, like, it's I don't like, know, it's man, like an Mario's ed- going
1: to fight. I remember there being an Egyptian
0: thing to it. There's an Egyptian thing in one of the levels. In the There's 12 stages, and stage 6, you are in a submarine the whole level that's it. like you're in a submarine firing bullets like <laughs> so cool like around and in the last level you're in an airplane fighting. i remember bullets. the airplane from uh, the commercials yeah and you're just like that's fucking nonsense never do that again before or since <laughs> um and it's it still holds up as a uh, as a pretty good platformer especially considering again how, how
1: early yeah. it was in the, i i do own console. it i just uh never it's loved it.
0: worth your time i i think i think it's a pretty great game
1: cool well, my last game here on this list then is a, a double whammy, but it's, it's okay. a great combo pack. That's Dragon Warrior one and two.
0: One and two. I thought you know I almost made my list. That is a uh, sixth entry for yes. me. If you
1: ever, if you ever want to go and, and play a Dragon Warrior game, uh, and you can't get a hold of Dragon Warrior three, this is the way to do it. They did a fantastic job with it, dude. And honestly, like fuck two. Oh yeah, I mean, there's really no reason to play that. But one,
0: what... one is great. I. Play through all of one you get to,
1: first year, you get to experience what it was that made Dragon Warrior really good, without the punishing difficulty and not being able to uh, save your progress in like a really meaningful way. You know, like it did such a good job. I believe it had like a sleep mode where you could just save on the world map and and put turn the Game Boy off, so you didn't have to like constantly worry about going back to the town. um That is the way that Dragon Warrior is meant to be played. It kind of gets at the heart of the dragon warrior Ness. So, and pretty on the game boy color. Super pretty. All right. Your last one. My last one is
0: probably my, it's not the best game boy game, but it is my favorite game boy. Game. Uh-huh. That, that's alleyway.
1: Alleyway. What is that? One of the first five that they released?
0: I don't know. I, I didn't. It, it was one of my first game boy games. Uh, yeah, it came out in August of 89. Um, global launch title. Yeah. Um, so it is ostensibly a breakout clone, but it is a really smart iteration on the breakout formula. Um, as you go about each stage, like they introduce new complexities, your uh, ship shrinks halfway at about level seven, I think. Um you'll start hitting bricks and all of a sudden the bricks start falling towards the bottom of the screen and are replaced by an identical set of the first set of bricks so you have to clear the stage twice like within a certain amount of time mm-hmm. um it uh like the box art looks super great the sounds are fantastic it's just kind of a smart low impact um kind of puzzle puzzle game
1: for uh game boy handheld system the original casual game
0: yeah um you got some cool bonus stages that looked like mario and um uh, yoshi and stuff where the bricks would not bounce back you just go right through them you would like try to clear them out in a certain amount of time to like give you these crazy score bonuses Hmm. it is a really really just really well designed game um
1: it's a bummer that we're now talking about the Game Boy on its 20th anniversary when everyone else is and has probably already hit eBay and prices have spiked for a lot of these things. Okay. I bet so this is okay. not the time. This game's
0: also also available on
1: Virtual Console though. Oh, huh. okay.
0: So, just saying, 3DS
1: owners, go buy the stuff. I you know I forget that that thing even really exists. You you go buy
0: Alleyway and Kirby's Pinball Land, and I will give you five dollars each if you don't like them. Oh. I feel that. <laughs> often.
1: That's your guarantee. They're really
0: good. They're just really good, especially, like, games that hold up that, like, uh, you'd want to, like, play a significant amount of. I think they're worth worth the time and money.
1: Awesome. Well, that's it. Happy birthday, Game Boy.
0: Happy birthday, Game well Boy. Well
1: done. So, we will be back again. Uh, I think we're going to do some sort of special episode next time.
0: Yeah, I think so. Do a little intro to summer We'll be, I'll be gone a lot mm. over the summer, so we'll see about recording. Ugh. Oh, God.
1: Snow Leopard just prompted me to upgrade to Mavericks. Do it. No, I can't because I can't run any of our recording software on anything Don't. young. 10.6.5. Don't, Don't do, do it. Don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's been how many years now since they've upgraded to Lion and these companies, the companies that I, I bought a bunch of software for. Three. Still.
0: I want to say. Th- yeah, it's bad. I want to say three. years. Yeah, I just still
1: have not updated it to run on modern operating systems. It's all based on the way audio processing works and sandboxing and stuff now. But, or they're just lazy. So if you too are lazy, uh, no, if you're not lazy, if you're active, go to lowscorepodcast.blogspot.com. Leave a comment with some of your favorite five favorite games. You can email them to us and we will read them on the podcast. That's lowscorepodcast at gmail.com. We We have a Twitter.
0: We do have a Twitter. It's at Low Score Podcast, but don't Twitter us, Twitter us anything this week. Bobby, we joked about it before, but you got your PhD. Congratulations. That's awesome. So everybody should tweet: at Kista. Congratulations. You have a PhD now. And that means blank.